This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Everyone and welcome to episode fifty-four, five, four of what did you watch this week? My name is Mike, and my name is John. Hey, John, how's it going? You know, it's going really well. Although my head's a little stuffed up right now from all the TV that I watched this week. I too watched more TV than I thought possible this week. It, I it thought was, I'd have time to do, but uh, I, I pulled it off. Yeah, it was it was a marathon kind of thing. Although. Truth be told, I did cheat some and had my little iPad set up next to me while I was playing Mass Effect Andromeda. So, you know, I had a dual screen thing going. Helped me squeeze in some of the less exciting shows that I kind of wanted to get through but didn't really need to focus on completely. I kind of did that myself. Like, normally, if I'm at work and I got my old uh, my old Fire Kindle tablet out there, uh, when the phone rings, I'll hit pause and then grab the phone and couple of shows, I just turned the volume down. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I can respect yeah. that. Yeah, because like, I mean, I'll get to it later, but uh, I, got, I got a new term to describe one show. That oh, I excellent. Watch. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it when we get there. But anyhow, um, let's just dive right in. Do you have Walking Dead to talk about? I do. And, and I've got to say, the best part of Walking Dead this week was the fact that um, right afterwards, Into the Badlands came back. That was it. That was the best part. Um, so the best part of The Walking Dead this week was when it was over. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the term I have coined, I think you will appreciate for The Walking Dead then. Ooh, what is it? What is it? I'm just going to bust it out now. Go this is it. reference to Arrow. Oh, good. I, I Somehow I knew it was going to be Arrow, but... And I'm just going to say I hate watched Arrow this week. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I watched the show and hated every friggin' minute of it. And, yeah. you, and yeah. you hated yourself for wasting those 42 minutes? It's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I used to like this show. I know how good it can be. And so I, I, but I put myself through it. I sit there and I watch it, and I hate every damn minute of it. So I hate watched Arrow this week. But just like I think you hate watched The Walking Dead. No, no, I wasn't quite that far, but ah, it was close. Um, it's too bad. You know, it, the thing is, the thing that's getting me with them is that for a season that started off with so much tenseness, so much anger, so much uh, fear, you know. Um, it's turned into a show in this yeah. back half of the season where they can have two people hiding in a basement and turn it into 20 minutes of the show. You know, five minutes just standing behind the shelves hoping that that guy that walked downstairs isn't going to find them. It's, they, they, they try to build on so much fear and tension on little things now. And that's just not working out that well. We've also reached a point in the, uh, world where the walkers have been around for long enough that most of them are so decayed that, you know, they fall apart in your hands. 
So it's not like a fresh zombie apocalypse where they're all strong and, and virile and able to, you know, tackle you down and rip you apart. Everything's just kind of like, yeah, you know, they're mushy in your hands. Um, that's kind of logical though, right? It is. It is. And I do appreciate that. But, you know, one of the main stories this week was how, um, the hilltop was invaded. You know, the, the saviors showed up and they basically just were stirring a turd and looking for people. And they took the doctor because Negan had killed his doctor. So they took Hilltop's doctor and said, yeah, we need him more. Bye. And so Hilltop was all freaking out because, you know, pregnant Maggie's there and who's going to help her if the doctor's gone. But they can't tell them that because they can't know that Maggie's at Hilltop because then the saviors would be like, oh, let's screw with her too. Um, but we had, uh, Rosita and um, Sasha went on their, essentially their suicide mission. They had a high-powered rifle and a couple of bullets, and they were going to go into Savior territory and kill Negan. And didn't expect to get out afterwards, but figured if they could kill him, then at least that would be done and the Saviors would be busted up. And that's when they discovered that Eugene was down there actually bossing people around and, and wearing the black trench coat because, you know, he's one of those guys who has to look like the traditional villain type. And they went in there after him and said, you know, we're here to get you out. And he's like, I didn't ask you to get away from me. And basically, you know, wants to stay there kind of thing. So we got that answer that we wanted. And, uh, in the end, Sasha was like, Rosita, you need to live. People need you. You're tough as nails and you help train us. And so locked her out and did the suicidal thing where she ran back inside the compound and disappeared off screen. So we assume she's dead, but I'm sure that this next week's episode will uh, tell us what happened exactly. It wasn't, it definitely was not a hate watch, but it was more of a, uh, all right. This is the second to the last episode of the season. and Let's just get through this. Pretty much, yeah. Because then Into the Badlands came on, and holy God, that is a great show. In fact, after... Uh, we'll get into more detail later, but after binge-watching the rest of Iron Fist this week, and then watching one episode of Into the Badlands and the choreographed fights that they had in that, I'm like, you know, Iron Fist, this is what you could have been. It's okay, because they're two different things, and Into the Badlands was bloody and gory, and holy God, if people complained about Walking Dead before, you know, at the beginning of this season being too bloody and gory because of the bashing of the skulls, I don't know how they can give Into the Badlands a pass. I mean, there were so many severed arteries, there were so many loss of limbs, the blood everywhere, it was just uh, an execution. It was great. And apparently Nick Frost is going to be on this season. He was playing a it, very odd, but they, uh, they're they in a mining colony type thing. And uh, Nick Frost is the only one there who is rather pudgy for a miner. You know, everybody else is like sickly thin and, and barely able to live. And he's Nick Frost. So he looked a little out of place there, but he's an opportunist. You watched that show last season, right? No, I've never. Honestly, I think I just heard of it recently when I saw season one was on Netflix. Oh, wow. Dude, yeah, you I never, really like that show. I never watched it. I don't think I ever remember hearing about it. Really? Oh, dude. What, I'm so surprised. What, what's it about? Uh, it's 
post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Uh, the world or this area, we don't know exactly where it is, but this area is controlled by barons. And it's kind of like a Mad Max kind of thing because, you know, like one baron is in charge of oil and one is in charge of, um, I believe, opium. And they have their personal guard system called the Clippers. And Sonny, the Asian guy that you see there, is one of the... Uh, main clippers for this baron whose symbol is an armadillo for some reason. But it's uh it's definitely like a Mad Max Game of Thrones kind of thing, but with lots of blood and lots of killing and some very, very, very stylized fights. Like What's the time frame it takes place in? It's uh after now. Uh I, I don't know that they ever give a specific time. It's been a while since I watched the But it's not like a period piece like Game of Thrones. No, 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 no. because like, you know, the oil refineries are a big thing. People drive around in cars and stuff like that. But then you'll see a lot of the set design looks like an old Western or, um, you know, a crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of thing. It's super stylized fighting and it's really, really a fun show. I'm I'm surprised you haven't seen this. You really ought to check it out on Netflix. Like, check out an episode or two and see if you like it or not. Okay. Sold. <laughs> I look forward to hearing back from you on that one. Uh, Monday. What did you watch on Monday? Well, the, they did that thing on Supergirl that they did last time they had a crossover where the entire episode was just about what was going on with Supergirl. And it was only like the last two minutes that ended up being part of the crossover where the music Meister appeared. Yeah. 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 Well, actually I ended up watching, um, kind of all those last night, uh, Supergirl, uh, flash, uh, legends, arrow. Nice. So, so you you got them all fresh in your mind. Yeah, I do. Um, I got a lot of notes. So yeah. Like Supergirl. Yeah. Um, obviously, we, you know, Monel's parents show up. They threaten, if you don't release the prisoner, Monel, we're going to destroy you. And then Monel doesn't just come out straight away and be like, oh, those are my mom and dad. You know, he's got to right, do like, that. I'll check into this. Yeah, and then a couple of bullshit things were, all right, so when Supergirl gets trapped in that minor inconvenience <laughs> and then finally breaks free right before she hits the earth and she hits the earth and does that, you know, that, that uh, superhero, superhero pose landing, the ground yes. doesn't break. Yeah, exactly. The that ground was, didn't break or cave in or anything. That was quite a bit of force. You'd think that their CG budget would have had a little bit in it for that. You would think. You would think. Um, but you know, basically it was, it, it just kind of played out like I thought it would like, Oh, Lyra's using win. Oh wait, no, she's not. Her brother's trapped, uh, captured. Oh wait, they're going to help her and everyone's going to live happily ever after. Wait, she's oh. tough as nails and, and doesn't like to form attachments, but she formed some kind of an attachment here. Right. Well, yeah, that's, of course she did. Uh, and then, Oh, Kara finds out that Monel lied to her, and she can't forgive him. So they're gonna break up. It's like a, it's like a, you know, rom con. I mean, you're like, oh, they'll get back together next episode, and we didn't have to wait all week. <laughs> we just had to wait till the next night on Flash. That's right. Um. Yep. Yeah, basically, it was a. Um, 
It was, it was a, a fluff generic, episode. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad yeah. because it had two big eighty stars. You know, Terry Hatcher and Kevin Sorbo. Yep. Yep. And even that wasn't like what I thought it would be. Like there really wasn't much building there. It was just like you know the typical, you know, Dax. I say that like like it happens every day. Okay, but right. anyways, it was the typical like you would expect. You know, the Daxons don't get along with the Kryptonians, and so they have to take little jabs at each other. And then Mom's got to have a talk with her little boy's girlfriend, and on and on and on. And Dad's the understanding one, you know, who's yeah. just like, "Go ahead, slugger, do what you want." Yeah, and then the, even like you too. complete almost with like chin punch, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, of course, then the end of the episode. Who? It's funny they don't give this character a name until three quarters of the way through Flash. Exactly, and that was just kind of Barry throwing it off the cuff. Exactly. And it was like the music meister, you know. I'm like, call him the Burger Meister. <laughs> um, but anyhow, so the music meister shows up at the end of Supergirl and, you know, puts her in her trance and then jumps through the, the parallel world and they chase after him eventually, you know, essentially. And that leads us into Flash. I, I'd love to know the backstory of how he came to be in the DEO's possession with handcuffs yep. and being walked through right there. Yep. And and the other thing, too, is, you know, obviously nothing can hold him. We find out from Flash that nothing can hold him, that he's a good guy, and he just wanted to put love back together and then disappear. Like, it just it just was like, well, hey, let's do a musical between these two. These are some talented singers on these shows. Oh, okay. Well, what's going to be the premise of it? Mm, figure it out as we go. Well, let's just write some songs. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Not that I hated it or anything like that, and but... You know, Supergirl was just a, a, a kind of a fluffy build piece, piece towards Flash. Yes. Yeah. And then and all the stories in it, you're right, were generic, and yeah. we've seen them rehashed over and over again. And then when we get to Flash, you know, like at the beginning, Monel and John Jones come back to Earth, come to Earth One with Kara as she's unconscious, and I'm surprised, you know, um, uh, her sister wasn't there. No, not that. Uh, when jeez some crow all i can think of was quinn finn oh when because <laughs> you know when makes mention of like oh that cisco ramon guy i bet you we'd get along great so i assumed oh he's obviously gonna be in the crossover and right. he was but not in the context of which i thought yeah they really should have let him come over and been like geeking out with cisco for a little bit exactly um but yeah so they end up coming over and then the music meister shows up and you know, apparently he's going to put uh, Barry in the same trance, and which is them dreaming. Because, like, I believe, didn't at the end of Supergirl, Kara wake up in, like, the, the nightclub in her dream? Yes. And then Barry shows up and just in time for Kara to sing Moon River, which was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. And then the music meister showed up, and they had a nice little group rendition of "Put a Little Love in Your Heart." <laughs> and Which, I love that by the end, Barry was like getting into it, like he yes. wasn't singing, but he's like trying to do the dance moves and stuff. And yeah, yeah. um, and then Iris and Mountain are in the the you know the uh, this world, the, the speakeasy world or whatever. And of course, they love each other. I mean, you know, it's just like that was typical. Yeah, yeah, but at least. Like, like where we were talking about the fluff episode for Supergirl. At least in this one, the typical and cheesiness was explained in the end. They, they basically said to the audience, we meant to do this. 
Yes. You know, he's like, my whole plan was that I saw you two were brokenhearted and I thought that's not right. So I created this so that you two could face your demons basically and realize that true yep. love is great and you should get back together with your significant others. Exactly. I mean, and then the other characters that were in the dream world, which was because the worlds were, they were the world was the way they were because Carol loves the Wizard of Oz and, and, um, Barry loves singing in the rain. Yep. So you had Merlin played Cutter Moran, <laughs> Wynn played Grady, Cisco played Pablo, uh, Stein was just a nameless henchman. Oh, and Millie's other dad. Yeah. And then Joe was Diggsy Frost, Millie's dad, and then Iris was Millie, and then Monel was Tommy Moran. So it was like a – they called it West Side Story. My brain went to Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, which are basically the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You could have um, said Lion King too, Simba's Pride. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the aliens stealing their powers while they're under, which I don't understand the, the premise of that other than he's going to go commit a crime so that he can get captured. Yeah, it seemed know. like he just want, wanted yeah. to have fun or something. Because he's, he's proven that he is not only like <sighs> – what what would be the word? It's not well. I mean, he's omnipotent because he seems to know all of them. He seems to know all their secret identities, uh, everything that they've done. You know, he calls Wally West out. And he's like, "Oh, I love yep. your work as Kid Flash, but not right now. You seem to be a little bit disturbed right now. Kind of like maybe you know you got captured and you had to spend some time in the Speed Force. Like he seems to know everything. Yeah, and he seems to be able to do whatever he wants. Yep. Like you said, he can't be captured. You know, nothing will hold him. He could just like in the end, he just faded away. Like, obviously, he needed help to jump between the worlds. He needed that device that Cisco had made. Um, and obviously, he stole their powers while they were in a coma and was using their powers to commit a crime, but not really, because he just kind of showed up yeah. at the bank and stared up at it. It's like he wanted to get captured on purpose, so he allowed it to happen. Yep. And, uh, yep. but, I mean, he, there's definitely much more to him than that. And I looked him up because I was like, I wonder if they're being faithful. And it turns out that the Music Meister was a character that was created in 2009 for the Batman Brave and Bold series. Okay. Like, he never existed in the comics or anything like that. Um, Neil Patrick Harris voiced him, and he was a very flamboyant guy who dressed up really funky. Like, Elton John would have been like, tune this down, dude. And um, he could do things like make people do what he wanted when he would sing. So kind of like a Pied Piper kind of thing, except for they already have a Pied Piper. Um, right. And apparently he was popular enough on the cartoon that they added him to the comic, Batman the Brave and the Bold. But that's kind of a, a kiddie version of things. It's along the same lines as Harley Quinn and how she was introduced in Batman the Animated Series and then, you know, became so popular that she spun out into the DC Universe kind of thing. This guy is definitely yeah. newer. You know, 2009 he was introduced. Yeah. So I guess they were taking creative liberties and saying, well, let's make a different version of the Music Meister because he's not super established. And that was cool, though. I mean, mm -hmm. and I didn't even mind the song and dance numbers. I mean, like, I thought it was funny with Joe and Stein and Merlin all singing a song about love <laughs> to their kids that they're understanding. And then that helps Barry and Iris, um, Barry and Kara learn a lesson about their own issues, of course. And then, of course, when the song's over, they're both like, get, get the boys. It's war. Yeah. Um, I'm going to butcher this, but uh, my sister was giving me the heads up on all this stuff. Like, each one of the people that was singing in this has had experience on Broadway. 
yes. like like Wynn was in uh, something. I want you to don't say, have to go. I want to that, say but, Winter, but yeah, but I'll take basically, your, I mean, I, I yes, you're right. They were and a lot and some of the a lot of the characters were on Glee. Yes, uh, but the song that they sung there about love was apparently one that was never used in the Broadway musical that Stein was in, and. He always liked it and wanted it to be used somewhere. Oh, so that's they, cool. Yeah, so they were like, well, let's use it here. I, I actually really enjoyed the uh, song and da- tap dance number about being your <laughs> super friend between Karen yes. and Barry. I thought that was really good. Super friends. Yeah, and how they wrote the song out on, like, on the fly, if you will, like on, like in a musical. And if you can just go back in time, no, I actually can't really do that anymore. Yeah. You know, like I just, <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. And then, you know, there's a gunfight. They both get shot. Cisco has to vibe Monel and Iris into the dream world. And then they both confess their love. And then a kiss awakens them into the real world. Love. Yeah. What brings us together today? Yeah. And then, 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 you know, Kara goes home with her boyfriend and they're all happy. And then, and then Wally does a, Sings a sings a love ballad to Iris and he proposes and she uh, Barry, not Wally. Sorry, yeah, I said I meant to say Barry. I wrote down Barry. Go, so Barry, Barry. The preview for next week, Flash, actually looks really good. It's um, Abracadabra, and yeah. the guy that's playing him was the one who recently was on Gotham as like the one wearing Jerome's face. Oh, okay. But he's from the future, and so he knows a lot about everybody and what's going on and stuff like that. So it seems like a lot of the plot this season is being filled in by people from the future or alternate realities. So thing they're onto it. Yeah. Yep. So that'll be good. And then we had Legends after Flash. Well, God, okay. I, I got to say, kind of like you last week, I did not utterly hate this episode. This was not. No, I, I didn't utterly hate this episode either. I mean, it was. Okay, so they collected. They went to the vanishing point and got the rest of the spear a little too quickly for my liking. Not only a little too quickly, but what the hell was that transmutation thing where they turned the giant <laughs> rock that was holding it into jelly beans? I remember them doing it a couple of a few episodes ago. It was it was on a much minor level, though. It wasn't, but it was several episodes ago that they were doing that. Yeah, and, and I get the concept, but it just seems. Childish? I don't know. It, I don't. I didn't appreciate it. Myself. Yeah, it was dumb. Yeah, but yeah, it was you're dumb. right. It was. It was kind of like um, the episode in Camelot where we got to see the year three thousand for like two seconds, and basically Rip showed up and killed that member of the JLA and took his piece of the spear, and that was like the opening before the credits or whatever. And then suddenly yeah. everything else was in Camelot. That's what this was like. It was like oh, they've got to be in the vanishing point, and they just like walked in. They're like, yeah, hey, let's walk in. I'm sure there's no security systems. Yeah. Oh, the security system's there, but it only sets off when they've already got their thing and left. Yeah, they walk in, they walk out. There's really no fight for whatsoever. And then, of course, you know, they Rory burns it just because, oh, you want me to destroy it? And then, of course, it just happens to reveal, like, you know, what will break, what will stop it. You know what I mean? Like, him burning it reveals the the, the clue or, or the, you know, how you can destroy this thing. You just need the blood of Christ. Which, 
they didn't reveal it at that point, but it would make sense later because the entire episode was themed around J.R.R. Tolkien because they go back and meet him. And so, you know, that's what happened with the one ring. They originally were like, oh, let's just throw it in the fireplace. And they threw it in the fire and they were like, no, that won't stop it. But when they pulled it yeah, out, the Elvish was right. on the inside. So fair enough. Um, I have a big problem with, oh, we have to find J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, what are we going to do? Well, in 1916, he was in, you know, upper France or whatever it is. Oh, isn't that World War One? Yeah. Well, let's go meet him then because the man only lived to 1973. So there's right. no other time in his fucking life we can go meet him except the height of World War One. Not only that, but then to continue the <laughs> stupidity. That, you're right. This was my biggest problem with it, you know, that, yeah. was that they picked that point. And then they were like, oh, we found out where that church is. We found out where the guy's entombed. It's over there in the middle of one of the bloodiest battlefields in recorded yeah. history. Yeah. Let's go now instead of jumping in our time machine and going back to any other time in the past couple yeah. hundred let's, years. Let's go back 20 years ago and do it then. Yeah. Let's go you back to I mean? three days after the guy was entombed there. I'll bet you the yeah. blood will be fresh then. <laughs> Time it was, machine. It was just, yeah, that was, I, that was a big plot hole or plot or thing I had an issue with. Yes. And then I hated how horribly they telegraphed Rory turning on them. I, I agree to an extent. I do feel that it has been building up this season. No, it has been, but this episode, it was like maxed out. It was, and he, he was also dealing with the fact that Snart reappeared, and he thought that he reappeared in his head like to mess with him, but it turns out that the Legion of Doom just went back to an earlier point in time and snatched Snart out of the timeline, which... That's going to cause some problems. Yeah, it is going to cause some problems down the line. And the other thing I have a problem with that is, is the professor knew, you know, Stein knew that he was having these visions of Snart. So when Snart actually presents himself as being real and he's like, oh, Rory told me their whole plan. Nah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then they're like, how could you do that? And he's like, because I thought he was in my head. And the professor didn't go, yeah, yeah, he's been having this issue. Yeah, he didn't so back it's up legit. His no, no, it doesn't back him up at all. Instead, they all basically, you know, leave Roy like, "Oh, none of you trust me, anyways." And then after like he turns on them and goes with Snart and, and everything, then like even Roy's like, I mean, Ray's like, "Well, it was kind of our fault, anyways." I mean, did any of us really trust him? We didn't give him a reason to not turn on us, and on and on and on. It was just yep, and. Again, that's you're right. It was really ham-fisted, but yeah. I feel that they have been doing it all this season and actually all last season. You know, yeah. Rory has always been kind of the workhorse or the, you know, the pit bull. Yes. They keep him he's, around he's, for snarling and barking and then they God. kick him when he's bad, you know. If you want to refer to this in the world of professional ice hockey, he's the goon. Yes, he is. You know, he's, that's he's who totally he is. The he's the goon, yeah. Yep, they bring him out for the heavy lifting stuff. And, um, I mean, he's had some good ideas here and there, but honestly, like, this has been his character path. And so, yes, they definitely telegraphed it, this one, but I didn't feel that it was a departure. You know, it wasn't like, no, fair oh, enough. God, they, uh, they, they pulling this one out of their ass. You know, like, if, if, uh, Ray had done this, it would have been like, wait a minute, yes. wait a minute, wait a minute. But ultimately, like, I didn't hate the episode by any means. I just had a problem with those couple of things, you know, like, 
you know, they didn't have to go during the height of the damn war. Yeah. And stay during the height of the damn war. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I, I appreciated that handling of Rory that way. I liked what they did with Kendra, you know, where she's actually got a bit of a character arc now. It's not like last season. Sorry, not Kendra. See, that's what I was thinking. Last season with Ray and Kendra and, you know, can we have a life together? But he's destined to be my lover and blah, blah, blah. nobody cared. But in this case, with, um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. She, her granddaughter will be Vixen. Um, Basically, she got a story arc because she's now been told by these guys, you know, hey, go look at the historical records. And she sees that her village is destroyed. Her daughter's going to end up as an orphan or yeah. a refugee. And then her granddaughter is going to be an orphan. And, and even Sarah comes to her and she's like, look, I've met your granddaughter in the future. She helped us. She's a hero. She inspires people. You know, let history play out. And she's like, but I don't want them to suffer that way. So she's tempted to use the spear to rewrite reality as well. Yeah. And it gave more depth than just the whole, you know, oh, will they, won't they, Ray and Kendra, <laughs> who fucking cares? She's a barista. Um, well, that was Ray and Kendra. This is Nate and not and, and, and other token black girl. Yeah, I can't remember her name. It's really I can't remember either. Yeah, um, Justice Society member. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, Amaya. There we go. Amaya. There you go. Um, the other thing that I appreciated was, unlike the George Lucas episode, they didn't say J.R.R. Tolkien's name constantly in reverence. They didn't remind us all the time, you're J.R.R. Tolkien. Hey, J.R.R. Tolkien, come on over here, J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, they'd call him Tolkien or Tolkien, as some of them pronounce it. Um, and all the references, like there were a lot of references to what he would go on to write as... um the Fellowship of the Ring series. Um, but they were all downplayed. You know, it was never like a, uh, huh, huh? Maybe you could call us a fellowship? Huh, huh? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as the, the, uh, George Lucas episode. No, they were actually pretty subtle in my opinion, and I appreciated that a lot more. You know, you could draw, like I said, you know, the fire on the shaft of the thing showing the language. They never said, hey, we've got an idea for you. What if fire exposed? He wasn't even around for that. It was just there for people who were fans of the series. Um, You know, they called them fellowships. Uh, Stein at one point says, you can't just walk right into the gates of hell. And it's like, oh, you can't walk into Mordor, huh? Um, but it was never like, he never pulled out a little notebook and was like, oh, I'm going to write this down. This would make a great story someday. Right, right. So I really appreciated that they dialed back the on the nose type of stuff. You know, it's been so much like them this whole season to be like, look, we're the ones that inspired George Lucas type thing. Otherwise, you know, it was an okay episode. Yep. It definitely wasn't terrible. It, it definitely with, uh, was not Arrow. <laughs> Yeah, it ends with the uh, the league of, the legion of doom all holding the uh, the staff or the yes. uh, the spear. Sorry, the spear of destiny. And because then, Mick betrayed them, like you said. Yeah, and Merlin reciting the uh, apparently the incantation to make it work. And I know I saw the commercial for this week's episode a hundred times on the CW app while I was trying to watch these shows. Uh huh. So it's basically people's they're, – they're in a world where everyone's personalities have changed, and it seems like Mick's the one trying to put everything back the way it was. Right. It, did, it, did you find it a little bit odd that Merlin showed up with that ginormous book 
and it was all wrapped up, and he's like, this is the book that we need. And he opened it up to the right page, and it was like six words that they had to recite over and over again. He said that it was the user manual for the Spear of Destiny. Seems like it could have been on a note card. <laughs> I mean, like, what they didn't pour over the text. He's just like, I know exactly what page, and this is what we need to recite. Well, that it's kind of like, you know, the Necronomicon with Klaatu Barada Nikto. It, did we really need all the rest of it? Well, the rest of it deals with other stuff. Well, what does the rest of the Spear of Destiny deal with? Right. You know, what does the book say? Here's different ways you can alter your new reality. You're the proud owner. Here's how to order replacement parts. Right. It's got like that Sears Craftsman diagram where it's all broken apart. And it's like, here's the arrowhead. You know, that's part number G5X21. Because <laughs> it's got the diagram going. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. So now oh, let's talk heck. about your favorite show of the week. Well, I, okay, we'll talk about Arrow, then we'll go back in time after. Yeah, um, we're on a roll. I mean, we yeah, and we can go so, back in time, unlike Barry. Arrow was 42 minutes long. Nice. Arrow was 42 minutes long, and uh, they finally did what I've been waiting for them to do for five seasons, and essentially gave us a flashback episode a long ass 35 minute flashback episode that basically that's that's you know i didn't time it out but that's my 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 guesstimation yep that we got 35 minutes of flashback and like seven minutes of of uh, current times and i don't even know if i want to i'm gonna break it down like this adrian's captured oliver he wants oliver to tell him his secret that he hasn't told anyone oliver doesn't know what the hell he's talking about so then he mentally tortures him and physically tortures him and then and then eventually you know oh he pretends to kill evelyn in front of him and then eventually he gets barry to confess that he likes uh, barry oliver to confess that he likes killing people yep that's the big thing. And then he lets him go. And that whole story is intercut with all of Oliver's time with the Bratva in Russia and killing Dolph Lundgren's character and becoming a captain and getting his tattoo and on and on and on and on and on. And I, maybe I'm ignorant, but I didn't see how one related to the other. No, I didn't. Truthfully, either. I didn't see the connection other than we see Oliver's tattoo being put on and then being burnt off. So, yeah, um, it, it was I was hoping that at the end of this, we would finally be done with the Russia flashbacks. But we're not. No, sadly, we are not. So, like I said, I hate watched Arrow this week because it's too. like. I sat there and I watched this whole stupid show and I'm done and I'm just pissed off with what they're doing with it. Maybe not. Like, I'm just frustrated with what they're doing with it because I remember how good it was and how good it's not now. Yeah, but I feel like it's been a – it was a rapid descent – that started in like the second season. It started slowly in the second season and then it rapidly picked up being shitty. And yeah. we're to the well, point they, now where I've come to expect it to be shitty. Well, they've just made those stupid flashbacks so convolutedly horrible, you know? Yep. And the thing is, is like they, they do enough, at least one or two episodes a season to keep you hooked because like, wow, well, look, they can actually have a really good episode. And I remember the first season, how much I really liked this show, so I'm going to keep watching it. And then again, I'm just like, I hate watching it. Pretty much. 
The the whole Evelyn thing was so telegraphed. I mean, you oh, knew that that was going to happen. She comes yeah. in and she's like, "I can't, I can't take it anymore." I mean, I've kudos- been tortured this whole time. I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, kudos to the show for you know giving us a bit of closure because she did vanish. Like she turned on them and then just vanished, and we haven't heard a thing from her since then. Yeah. And to the point where, like, he, she was thrown in the cage, and I'm like, who the hell is this? Oh, that's right. We had her on the show a while ago. Oh, wait. That was this season. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was just a few weeks ago. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then for her to be like, oh, I can't. He's going he's gonna to kill me. And then he's like, I'll kill her. I'll snap her neck. And then he pretends to snap her neck, which... Uh, Oliver snapped enough necks and seen enough neck snap that you'd Thank think you think he very much. Yeah, you'd think he'd be like, "That was fake." Yeah, come on, try was like, again. That seemed kind of weak sauce. Yeah, yeah, try again, buddy. <sighs> Let me feel her pulse. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah, but yeah, the whole episode was like five minutes in current time. Oh, and then by the end of the episode, you know, we get the frantic, uh, you know, team arrow running around the arrow cave being like, we've got to do yeah. this. We've got to transpond the Bluetooth. Oliver's on the, been the gone hijacked. for six days. Yeah. Yeah. And then Oliver just like walks in. He's like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm finished. I, yeah. I, I can't because he's had to come to grips with the fact that he liked killing. Yeah. Again, I'll say the same three words that I've said before about Oliver Queen slash the green arrow boxing glove. Arrow. <laughs> the green arrow that I always saw in the comics that I always liked that your son is going to be so disappointed about yep. was a fun guy. He was yep. a jokester. You know, he did have a very serious side, but mm-hmm. for the most part, Batman took care of the serious brooding side. Yeah. Yep. You know, this is a guy who in Frank Miller's Batman returns there uh he was missing an arm and still managed to fight superman by pulling the bowstring with his teeth you know this is this is supposed to be a more fun upbeat character and we've gotten the absolute worst version like we i'm gonna throw this out there and i'm probably gonna get hate mail for it i don't care but we have gotten the batman versus superman version of green arrow even the Green Arrow on Smallville was never this brooding, and that show was essentially 90210 for DC characters. I agree with you. So they need to turn it around. That's my thing yeah. is, you know, we've gotten to the heart of it. We've gotten deep down to the fact that, you know, Oliver loves killing. Great. We've got it out there. Next season, let's turn things around. Let's let him be a bit more upbeat. Maybe he hangs out with Barry more, and Barry's like, look, you're good at strategy, uh, but you're terrible at being a human being. Yeah. <laughs> he, gets, he gets a does not meet in interpersonal skills. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In the peer review section, uh, we're all flunking you. Or, or maybe we'll let Oliver die, and they'll go pull Oliver from a different Earth who's much more upbeat and happy. That would be great. I'd do that. Nice. Nice. So I'm good with those shows. Yep. Good. Uh, I'm going to go back to talking about Taken. Okay. I can't remember. You're not watching this, right? Correct. Okay. But you've so been this week's ep- to it. This week's episode was basically, all right, I'm just laying it out for you. A girl is taken and Brian Mills gets her back. 
Wow. They, dude, they could make a movie out of that, I bet. It wasn't his daughter this time. It was like a client's daughter or whatever. His age. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm just going to say this though. I really like this episode. There was a lot of, there was some great, uh, fighting. There was some great, uh, killing in it. Um, I mean, definitely not as good as the movie, but it was, it was a very enjoyable episode. Like, and that's pretty much, I'm just going to sum it up. It was very enjoyable. Good fights, good killing. Actually, a really kind of a decent story. Um, you know, the bad guys truly believed in what they were doing and that they were justified in their actions to kidnap this girl to try and force her father to fix what he did, what they feel he did wrong. So that oh, makes right. it even well, better. That's what wrong. I know. I, I didn't want to bastardize Quantum Leap because, <laughs> Come on. You know, but, well, no, with, you know, it was because it's a bad guy, I guess we could be the evil leaper. But anyways, so, you know, the bad guys truly believed in what they were doing. So that was cool because, you know, it, yeah, and um, the story was good, and there's some great fights, great killing. I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. So you're still enjoying the show as a whole? I'm very surprised, but yeah, like, you know, the first episode was okay. Second episode was like, all right, it's kind of – third episode, though, it's really kind of sold me and reeled me in. Um, and I don't know if it's because it is so similar to the movie, so I have that nice nostalgia feeling of the first time I watched the movie, and I was like, oh, my God, this is phenomenal. <laughs> um and then the sequel was like, oh, no. And then the third one was like, what? Come on. But anyhow. <laughs> that was such um, a joke. God. Oh, that was terrible. But anyhow. Um, yeah. So I was, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the show. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm yeah. just going to say APB pissed me off. Not pissed me off, but disappointed me by bringing back that crappy opening. Yes, uh, the same thing. I was like, "God damn it!" It's like they're yeah. taunting us now. Yeah. They're like, "Oh yeah, you want to say that we were listening to your show? Well, here now we're gonna undo that." And I do not, in any way, shape, or form, like the new character Lauren that they introduced. That's the finance side of his company. No, no, I didn't like her role either. Not to the point where it was like, oh, she's evil or, oh, she's comical, but she just doesn't feel like she fits at all. Yeah. No. She does not fit. Anyway, she before. No. Um, I liked the ideas that they were using, you know, for like using the lasers as a QR code scanner device thing. And it seemed like a bit of a stretch, but I'm not, I guess if they were powerful enough, because you got to figure that's basically just like the scan tag things that we all use. Correct. The self checkout and stuff. Yep. I guess for me, I'm not going to question the technology in it. I'm just going to, because I don't want to overthink it. Plus, it's kind of a show based on technology, so exactly, exactly. Um, I do like the line in there, and I can't think of what it is. But you have the 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 beat cops, where you have the the black girl and her her partner, the white guy, and um, you know he's always he's a loudmouth type of guy. You know what I mean? Loudmouth, very gruff. Yes, and he talks about how oh, we could go back to how things were before we get all this you know, technology, and she's like, well, you seem to like the technology, but it works out for you. And then he follows up with, the robots always turn on the humans eventually. <laughs> yes. He goes, do you see Terminator Westworld? It always happens. So, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I enjoyed it. He's a smart man. Um, yeah, I like the two parallel stories there. You know, you've got the 
the mystery person who's breaking into the conference because he wants to kill Gideon. We don't know why. We don't know what his motives are until after they've arrested him. So it's not like we have to care about the character. It was much more right. focused on, you know, why is how are they going to catch him and Gideon being very reckless and yep. both the ladies in his life, quote unquote, um, caring for different reasons. One, because, you know, the money, the other one, because of, well, you know, we need to do this by the book and we need to catch a killer. So their motivations are very clear and neither one of them seems to be specifically, we need you in our life. Right. You know, um, but I also like the opposite story, the B story, which was, you know, the beat cops tracking down the suicidal kid, essentially, you know, and each of them kind of doing it for their own tie into that. You know, the, the lady, as you said, she, uh, she's gay, you know, and apparently even her partner didn't realize that. Right, and, right. And then her partner was in the war and had friends who came back and were suicidal and he can't handle the suicidal thing and he doesn't like it, understand it, etc. So, you know, that's why he doesn't want to be part of this, but feels that he has to help this kid after all. And then he uses technology to help him because it's the only way possible. Right, right. Cause you know, the kid won't talk to his dad on the phone, but if they put a video conference up there, then. Yep. Yeah. That was definitely telegraphed. Little heavy handed. Oh, yeah, massively. Well, they did the same thing last week with the other guy who was just like, Oh, I bet this doctor we're trying to track down is a big old piece of crap who's trying to rip people off of yes. their money. And yep. like they telegraphed that so so loud and clear that he wasn't gonna be that way. Yeah. It it seems to be like if they can do it, then good for them for doing it well, but it yeah. can't be an every week kind of thing. Like we can't just break down a prejudice in a single episode every week. Exactly. And then my other thing, because I'm gonna keep I'm gonna nitpick it, I guess. Ooh, that's it. what we're doing. Uh the other thing I had a problem with, all right, so they're at the convention, they're looking for the person in the orange hooded sweatshirt, and Murphy is like 15 feet away from her and she just yells out free Chicago police and then she runs away you know oh, shit <laughs> I never get up on her you don't know they don't know she's there put hands on her first yeah detain I, her I never Bye, Chicago police that. get against the wall like type of thing you yeah, know surround and, and her call the other people in and be like she's over by this stairway she might go why don't you guys get into the stairway and be prepared it, it's the same thing as at the end when they were like, there's a thousand people out on that convention floor. Well, yeah, it's a, con it's a, a hall, you know, so there yeah. could be a thousand people in there, but there were pl points in there where those three officers who were mingling in the crowd could have reached out and held hands. Yeah. They were not spread out nearly enough. They were not covering nearly enough of the crowd. Um, and then at the end, when Gideon makes the, oh, there's Officer Murphy. She just saved my life. And then they do the big wide shot, and she's standing there, legs apart, hands on her hips, kind of a crooked sm you know, smile on her face, <laughs> and that stereotypical like superhero pose type uh -huh. thing. And it's just like, oh, come on. That's so cheesy. Yeah. 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 And again, I hate the new Lauren character, who's apparently is only introduced to be a uh, condescending bitch to Murphy and sleep with Gideon. Yeah. And, and for what reason? Like, I see no no attractive qualities there, but I guess, you know, I'm not a tech billionaire guy, so I guess no, you're I not. get it. Nope. No. Neither am I. Neither am I. 
<sighs> so yeah, there we go. All right, there we. APB is taken care of. Yep. Uh, you know, no, no more uh, lethal weapon. It's gone, done for the season. <sighs> yeah. No more. This is us, gone and done for the season. So I mean, actually, our our kind of like my list of shows, you know, just, just went down because of it. Yep. I, I didn't get a chance to watch. I did not watch Chicago Justice or SVU this week. Oh wow. I did have a lot of training. I did have stuff going on. I did manage to watch Superstore. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mateo let Mateo is being transferred out to like a plush ver a plush superstore, like a I don't know a high end version of one. Yeah. But then he gets social security card, not just the number, but the actual card for his transfer, and he doesn't have one because he's an illegal, you know, he's undocumented uh, migrant worker, I guess yeah. I would call it. And uh, rather than just tell you know tell Jeff is it Jeff. Yeah. yeah, just say Jeff. What's going on? They break up. He breaks up with him. Yep. And it's so. Sad. Oh yeah, it's very very sad. I like the fact that Mateo put together his own going away video, and yeah, they're watching it at the beginning, and they're like, "Who's asking you these questions?" Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Ouch, my cat. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, this was the episode where uh, Dina and. God, I can't think oh, of his name. Oh, yes, the B story was Dina and uh, uh, um, uh, the wheelchair guy. Yeah, who's not really in a wheelchair in real life. but No, no, but in the show he is. And they have to fill out paperwork to define their relationship because <laughs> they are involved with each other. And their options <laughs> are like spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, and romantic. romantic. And they have a problem with that, so they call your headquarters. You know, they call the corporate office. Well, and first, they bring Dina, Dina says, "You know, ask for extension two two eight. If they hear my voice, they won't." Oh pick yeah, up. they'll hang up. Yeah, <laughs> I got through. <laughs> so it started off funny right there, and it just got better and better and better. Then they like pulled the the staff there on what they're gonna, you know, what on what they should call this fourth box. And you know, I love the you could call it friends with benefits. Uh, you could call it friends with – what were you going to say, huh, Sandra or Suzanne, whatever it is? Sandra, Sandra yeah. You can say, Sandra. I swear to God, if you say benefits, just homie God, just say it. I, w- I was going to say something different. Oh, what were you going to say? Benefits? <laughs> like, I just <laughs> – <laughs> and then Cheyenne like, talking about like you know oh yeah you know oh, kids chilling. my age you're just chilling that's just yeah. chilling yeah and then she had like other phrases as she went along and I honestly can't remember what they were but they were hilarious yeah um yeah it was it was just but and then ultimately at the end they like we've decided we're gonna go with other. Oh, you want to put a checkbox that says other. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, all these departments are on speakerphone sign off on it. Yeah, well, that's the thing is they kept getting more and more people. Like, first it was just the HR person. Then she's like, well, I brought in the lawyer. And pretty soon they've got, like, seven or eight different people. Like, one of them is like, hey, I got called in on my cruise, so I'm out here. And, like, when they said the other box, he's like, I'm missing the captain's dinner for this. <laughs> Like, it became that big of an issue, just these two trying to figure out how they could check off a box to define their relationship. Friends with benefits. Yeah, but we're not friends. We don't even like each other. Like, in all seriousness, this show is just, like, under the radar funny. It is. It is. And then the little little cutaways in between where they show, like, the customers, you know, (laughs) in the store being, like, horrible people. But just realistic. 
Oh, yeah, very realistic, too. I mean, it's great. Um, I still go back to a couple weeks ago when they were talking about abortion, and Jeff's just like, okay, so we don't have a video about not talking <laughs> about abortion in the workplace because we never thought we'd need to have one. So, hey, good job on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a um, good show. And then speaking of Superstore, I think that it's very telling. Like last week, they bumped Powerless for reruns of Trial and Error. This week, uh, my DVR actually recorded Powerless, and it gave the description of the episode, and I hit play, and it was Trial and Error. So you think they canceled Powerless? I think they did. Um, say, I have not watched Trial and Error yet. I didn't have time this week. And, and the reason why I miss shows is because I, I watched all 13 episodes of Iron Fist. <laughs> and I want to talk about it at the end. I don't know how much detail we're going to get into it, but I do want to talk about it at the end. Good. But that's why I missed, like, I didn't watch Trial and Error. I didn't watch um, Just Visiting. What? No, what's the one where they go back in time on Sunday night on Fox? Oh, Making History. Making History. Yeah, I don't know why I said Just Visiting. Anyway. Yeah, it seems like it is. Um, so I didn't, I didn't watch certain things because I actually, I got so hooked on watching Iron Fist that I watched all that first. And then I'm like, oh, no, I gotta watch all my regular shows and get caught up. <laughs> well, we'll um, hold off on trial and error then until you yeah. are caught up on that. It, it is good. Um, it's a bit formulaic each week, but I've been liking the, uh, the funny ways that they come up with doing different things. Um, I, I will say this too, Jama Mays, who plays the prosecutor, like she's always, she was Charlie in Heroes, you know, yep. Heroes girlfriend for a little while. She was, um, one of the teachers in, uh, Glee. She's always played the cute little cutie doll. And this one, I don't know if she told them she wanted to play a different character, but they've got her as this hard ass, mean, like gruff voiced. It doesn't remind me of her as I'm used to her. And yep. quite frankly, it, it kind of scares me a little bit. She's nice. She's a different kind of beast, but nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that when you're caught up. Yeah. I just, I really wanted to watch iron fist. Yeah. As um, a matter of fact, the only other two, the only, I only got two more shows to talk about before iron fist. Me too. And I'll bet blacklist you- redemption and, and grim. grim. <laughs> I knew it. So blackest redemption. Um, okay. <sighs> there's a plane that's going to be hijacked. They don't know why or who they have an idea of this one guy that's involved. And it seems to me like they get Solomon and, and Tom on board the plane as flight attendants somehow rather easily. Yeah. And, and to the point where even the pilots know they're like, I thought you people were supposed to be up here to keep something from happening. So it yeah. wasn't just that they snuck them on. They told the staff and crew. Oh, yeah. But yet, they had time to do that, but they didn't have time to actually vet the passenger list until the plane was in flight. Or sweep the place, you know, maybe yeah, go through with a scanner and say, hey, is there anything electronic here that doesn't belong here? Because you would have think they would have gathered intel on the passengers before the plane took off. Right. Now, that being said, <laughs> I did enjoy the episode. I did as well. Um, you know, they, there's a Green Beret team. But what it comes down to, it comes down to a domestic violence issue. Pretty much, Where this yeah. one guy is obsessed with this girl. They had a relationship. She broke it off. He didn't like that. She got a restraining order. He became obsessed with her. This is this real-life shit happens. Yes. Not them not him arranging her abduction from a plane 
but like this happened, like if you take that out of it, the equation, this, this really, I deal with this all the time. This happens in real oh, life. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, all the time. Yes. And, and so this guy basically tells his buddies, Hey, this girl knows about the seat, you know, this rocket launcher blueprints and we got to get them from her. And so they, so they believe him. They're this, this ex seal team. Well, so, so yeah. That's the thing, not to cut you off, but like he tells them that giant lie, but it also turns out that like she is going to be a translator inside this warlord's private staff. So she already has this big secret. He tells them a different big secret that's not really true, but it's like they really exploded the reasons that you would want to kidnap her from this plane. When it turns yes. out it was just, like you said, a DV thing. Yeah, so it's a complete domestic violence stalker issue. Which, incidentally, last night I took <laughs> a call from a guy who said, yeah, um, so this girl just came into my house and crawled in my bed with me. I asked her to leave. She won't leave. She's been stalking me for weeks. It, it, I'm fat. This is ridiculous. I've had enough. I, she needs to get out of my house. So while she's taught, while he's on the phone, he goes outside. She follows him. So he runs back in the house, shuts the door and locks it. I'm like, that actually worked on this girl, right? So it's the old so bugs then, bunny thing. Right, right. And it's like quarter three in the morning. So I don't have any troopers out. So we have to call a trooper out. And so she's the trooper we call out that she's on her way there. She's like 15 minutes out. So I get a call from the stalker, right? And she's like, you know, are you guys, do you guys have a, a police officer coming to this address? I'm like, why are you asking? Well, I mean, it's just, so I came over here. I've been seeing this guy for a little bit and I just, I came over to see him and I know it's the middle of the night, but I just wanted to surprise him. And I don't know. He's just, he's just being kind of silly and he locked me out of the house and my, you know, my shoes are in there. And so my feet are getting really cold. Could you like just call him over, call him up and tell him he needs to open the door for me? Wow. I went, yeah, that, that's, that's not going to be happening. Uh, <laughs> There is a trooper on the way. You could just sit tight there if you like, and then when the trooper gets there, you know, we'll, we'll work on getting your shoes. I mean, I think I'm going to get frostbite. No, no, you're not. You're not actually at all. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, you just can't call over there. I mean, she spent like two or three minutes trying to get me to call over there to get him to unlock the door and let her in. Wow. Just, just so she could get her shoes because he's, he's just being silly, you know. He's just, he's just being silly. And, uh, was she when, intoxicated? Oh, no, not at all. She oh. was, no, no. So where's the judge? Uh, she hung up. I hung, so we hung up. Two or three minutes later, she calls back again. Oh, hey, uh, so, and she's like trying to start from a whole different approach. And I'm just like, nice try, Nicole. I just spoke to you. And she was like, oh. Well, I mean, can you just call over there and just try to tell? I just need to get my shoes back. I'm like, yeah, that, that's not happening. And so the trooper does finally show up and arrests her and charged her for uh, terrorizing, stalking, and trespassing. Uh, so it was actually legit, too. Wow. Like, like the guy had documentation on all of it, of what was going on. Not very often you hear about that, but I guess, no, you know, it goes not both ways all, on the gender spectrum. My favorite part was she's like, He's just being silly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe <sighs> you are not convincing. I mean, it's like I could see the crazy eyes through the phone, <laughs> you know, like I could, 
probably see the bulging crazy eyes through the phone. It was fantastic. Sorry, sidetracked. Um, but anyways, Black Coast Redemption. Ultimately, I really did enjoy the episode. I really One scene enjoyed- that keeps sticking out in my head was when Solomon threw himself on top of the unconscious guy on the yes. plane and pulled the cord so that they flew out and parachuted he, down together. He used the seatbelt. Yeah. To seatbelt, to clip him to him so they, before they parachuted <laughs> out together. Yes. And, and speaking of which, Again, we've talked about this in the past. They need to have more of Tom and Solomon together yes. on the show. I was just going to say that. Yes, I absolutely <laughs> love the interaction between the two of them. It's Solomon's like, I'll do the seatbelt thing, but I'm not doing the flotation vest. And so Tom gets on the intercom and he goes, hi, everybody. Normally, we'd start with the seatbelt thing. But you know what? Solomon is so good with the vest. He wants to start with that. He's like, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, I've, I really do love. The interaction between the two of them. Uh, one glaring plot hole in every, absolutely every single episode for me is how the frig is Tom explaining this to Elizabeth. They kind of touched upon that in this episode. <laughs> Barely. Yeah. Which is, I, I miss Agnes. I didn't, I haven't seen her in so long. Okay, but why are you there? Why are why, you know, like, what's the excuse you're giving to Elizabeth? What's going on? They haven't explained that. And it's not like we've had the blacklist to watch. Right. So anyhow, and then at the end of the episode, uh, it looks like uh, Scotty has found where uh, Terry O'Quinn's character is and Solomon is seen. <sighs> Be- because we had that whole big convoluted thing where she sends codes based on a comic book and yep. – um, you know, they grabbed the wrong comic book. So when they translated the code, it didn't make sense. And he was like, you're crazy. I'm going to tell her who I really am. And then, of course, he goes to tell her and it gets interrupted. So he can't. But then he and, looks and down he's, and he's like, that might be the right comic book. Yeah, sees the right issue. Goes and gets it and then deciphers the message. And dun, dun, dun. It's his address. Wah, wah, wah. But anyhow, again, I still like the show. Except for those plot holes in it or those plot points, um, I thought the episode as a whole was good, and I really truly enjoyed the uh, the, the tit for tat interaction of Tom and Solomon. Yes, yes, yep. not quite as good as last week's plumber thing, but oh, it God. was still that great. Was so great, that was so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, grim. Grim. Well, okay. I gotta say right off, we were promised yeah. that it was all going to go back to the beginning, back to the cabin where they had their first encounter. And that was such a letdown because essentially they were using it as a safe house and we just got flashbacks of that episode. Yeah. Well, see, I don't watch the previews for next week because I don't, they're not on Hulu. Um, so I didn't see that. So like when to me, when they brought back the cabin, um, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, they're going back to the first episode, you know, to kind of bookend it, I guess. So I, I actually thought it was kind of neat. But if I had seen it being hyped up like you did, I could see the disappointment and the letdown. Big time. I could definitely see that. Um, basically, they discover that opening the portal to bring Nick and Eve back is bad because the bad guy will come through. So, of course, little Mary Sue opens it up immediately. And He's Nick and helping. Eve do, yeah, Nick and Eve do come back. See, Mommy, I brought Nick back for you. I hate that kid's voice. I just hate it. Me too. And her face. Yeah. 
And then, of course, like the creature god guy, Zolomoft or whatever it is, follows them. But he doesn't come through that mirror. He comes through a mirror in a gas station down the road. Or Yeah, and, and didn't they explain no, that? Uh, oh, no, wait, they didn't explain that. No, they Well, they kind of did, you know, um, when Monroe said, like, well, there's no way he was coming through the way that mirror shattered. So, like, they went through and the mirror broke. So wouldn't that shut the portal? Yeah, wouldn't they shut the portal? And if he was going to come out in a different mirror, wouldn't it be one in the house? You know, yeah. I mean, he's he's tried to come through like hand mirrors before. I bet yeah. you there's a compact in somebody's purse, probably. So anyhow, so he comes through. I I did like the fact that uh, the show aired on March 24th, and the plot, the date in the plot was March 24th. I like right. it when they shows do that. Yep. Um, but the big thing that happens is when Eve was vogued, when she came back through, when she came came on to to the other side, she is no longer a Hexen beast. That was big, but let's, you know, it'll come up later, but that was not the only big thing that happened in this episode. Oh, uh, no. There was two other really tremendously huge things that happened in this episode. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, Trouble's back. Yep. Yeah. Sporting another then- new haircut. Yep, and then it turns out the stick, like the stick, okay, so the bad guy has a weird name I can't pronounce, but the staff he has, has biblical connotations to it, you know, maybe it was Moses' staff, maybe it's the staff that David had when he defeated Goliath, on and on and on. Oh, not, that, not just biblical, you know, they're talking about different faiths around the world that have uh, mythical figures with, you know, Hindu belief and Buddhist belief and stuff like that, where they had staffs. And it could be part of yes. that as well. And the of Monkey course, King. They even mentioned the, the Monkey, Monkey King. King. <laughs> That's true, they did. Uh, and then there's one story that has the staff was broken up into a thousand pieces. And so it's like, oh, well, the, the piece of wood that Nick has, that's the last, that must be the last piece. That's why it's all cracked. Yeah, yeah. I just um, wanted the Legends of Tomorrow to appear out of nowhere and be like, we need to take these pieces and put them back together. <laughs> I know. There seems to be some crossover between the two. Like, <laughs> Storyline wise, at times, um, but yeah. So Nick has the last piece of the staff allegedly, and he has it on his person. And the guy shows up at the police station, and uh, the end of the uh, well, yeah, the end of the episode is a big fight that Hank and Wu and Nick have with the bad guy, and you know Wu vogues and attacks him and gets gutted with the staff. And we see him die, and then Hank goes at him, and I'm—I was—I'll be on it. Like I, I could see Wu dying, you know what I mean? Because yeah, it seemed like a natural progression of things. You know, he was an established care. He was not and initially. He was not, you know, a, a primary uh, cast member, or whatever you want. He right. was, you know, returning character type of thing. And they gave him some plots, became a likable character. You know, became part of the team, et cetera, et cetera. So he is like, all right, he's almost. He's been wearing a red shirt since season one. It's just, <laughs> yeah, you know, he he got some good time out of it. But uh, so that wasn't too surprising. But and, and then at the same time, yeah, we saw him quote unquote die. But he was stabbed in the stomach. He could have just gone into a coma or, or passed out or lost consciousness or something. Like there's right. no, you know, he could still be alive technically. Not Hank, no. right through the freaking throat and like, out the backside. Yeah. I could not believe it. He essentially almost got decapitated. Pretty much, yeah. With a and stick. The fact, yeah. And I know the show's only got one more episode left, but the fact that they killed Wu and Hank in a matter of minutes, 
at the at the end of this episode, I was it genuinely shocked me. Now, how's that shock going to feel next week when Nick whips out the stick and brings them both back to life? See, okay, so initially I thought that that might happen. Like with Wu, I think it will, but I don't know if he can bring someone back from the dead. Because I still I still maintain that Wu it could potentially be alive, but Hank's dead, dead, dead. I mean, dead, dead. And he's not a Grim. You know, right. Nick's a Grim, so there's your excuse there as to how the stick was able to you know bring Nick back because he's a Grim. But Hank Hank's not. You know, so I don't know. Do you think that's what's going to happen? I do. Just because everything has been so cheesy the past couple of seasons, especially this last season, that I feel like they're going to do that, you know, because they're going to want to give some kind of happy wrapped up bow ending. You know, we already got what you were looking forward to, what I was looking forward to, which was, you know, Nick and Adeline having their actual embrace and their kiss and him saying, I love you and her saying, I love you too, you know? Yes. And it, that would have been a great place to intercut some yeah. flashbacks of, you know, these two started off as enemies and all the shit that she's put him through and he's put her through and, you know, now they've reached this point. Um, but we at least got that. Yeah. We got to see Kelly for the first time in a while. Yeah. Uh, because up until this point, I was thinking about it. And for the past few episodes, the part of Kelly has been played by a Greco car seat. Yeah. That they just <laughs> carry around and sit down in rooms. Yeah, and like, and Diana clearly loves her brother. Oh, in that because, sweet. Well, no, but they're not using it as like, oh, it's you know, he's a pain in the ass because he takes she he takes mommy's attention or whatever childish thing like right, her right. would do. Instead, she's like, oh no, he wants me and he wants my brother. Yeah, because she and, had that um, dream where the guy was like reaching for brothers. Yes. Yep. So. uh I don't know, like, there's a part of me that's sad that we only have one episode left because I've really, over the years, have really, really enjoyed the show. And there's another part of me that's even sadder because how this last season, for the most part, hasn't been the best. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. You're, you're being nice, but I don't know. I am being nice. Being very nice. It definitely <laughs> hasn't been the best. Um, but They get a lot still, to wrap up in the next episode. They do. They do. They do. I hope, uh, I don't know. I would just like to see, like, Nick becomes the captain of the police force somehow, and he just his, has his life with Adeline, and he stays there, and Trouble joins the police department, and they continue on fighting, you know, with Monroe and Rosalie, you know, fighting uh, Vesson and whatnot. Except Monroe and Rosalie are going to be... Um they're gonna move away. Yeah, they'll be parents soon. They they talked about moving away yep. and on and on. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll give us one of those castle like few minutes uh, end scene <laughs> things, right? Right. They're like, but oh. they wrapped everything up with a nice bow in the last few minutes. So. <laughs> right, with no speaking, just a quick clip. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, I guess that covers Grim. Um, I forgot. I do have one other show before we get into Iron Fist. Yeah, I gotta say, I know I say this every week, but I friggin' love Legion. This was the next to the last episode. It was the most revealing of all the episodes. And it just, this show does some weird things, but it seems to make them work. Like, 
right now everybody is trapped inside essentially David's mind slash the astral plane. So they're, they're in a version of the hospital that we see in the beginning of the show. And there's like zombies all around them attacking them, zombified people, but it's all inside their heads. So, we see Carrie the man, not the girl, but Carrie the man is actually talking to um, <clears throat> Miss Bird's husband who's been living in the astral plane for years and years and years. He's in a comatose state because he discovered that, you know, going to the astral plane, he could do whatever he wanted. He could be whatever he wanted. He could create things, etc. Why wouldn't you want to go there? You know, if you could go to a place where you could essentially be God, why wouldn't you want to go there and just spend all your time there instead of being stuck on this mortal world? Exactly. So he's talking to him and the guy's like, yeah, I know who this is. And they tell you right in the beginning, they're like, yeah, it's the Shadow King. And, you know, he's basically a parasite and he's been feeding off David's mind and he's trying to become David. Right now he's got David locked away in a little tiny corner of his brain. And the Shadow King is running the show and he'll soon be powerful enough to take over as David. And the original David will be gone from his mind, etc. So... Carrie then is tasked with going around and not waking up, but essentially like helping the friends, the super friends that are trapped inside this nightmare. He gives them these glasses that allow them to see only what's real and what isn't gets filtered out. So when they put on the glasses, everything's in black and white. All the zombies disappear, etc. When they take them off, it's all vibrant reds and blacks. And there's the zombie type people everywhere. So, the best part of this episode, well, the two best parts. One is David actually realizes what's going on. He has a talk with his rational brain, which, in case you didn't know, the actor is actually very British, as most of them are these days. And he is having a talk with himself. And he's like, why are you speaking British? And he goes, because I'm your rational brain. And it was just kind of funny because, you know, of course the rational brain would have a British accent because that's a rational voice. And... um they sit down in a classroom and the rational brain is talking to him and saying, you know, let's work this out. So they talk about his adoption and, you know, okay. So basically, um, this thing said that it knew my father. So obviously my father must've fought him and they're doing it all in chalk drawings, which get animated and it's really cool. Uh, they talk about the history of Xavier with the shadow King without giving names because David doesn't know who his dad is. And then we get a scene and it's really hard to do this scene justice, but essentially it's a musical number. It might have been classical. I'm not sure, but it's about a 10 minute scene where Miss Bird's husband is there, who is Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords and Men in Black 3 and just a great guy anyway. And he's conducting a symphony, essentially. He's just, he's waving his hand like a conductor. And all these little tiny letters are flying around, flying around, flying around. He's essentially putting a shield around, um, the people in real life because they're about to get shot. Meanwhile, the music is playing and Aubrey Plaza, who is channeling friggin' Helena Bonham Carter, I think, from the Harry Potter movies and from Fight Club. She looks amazing. Like, she looks so disturbed. Her hair is going everywhere. Aubrey Plaza already looks a little creepy as it is, but she just mm -hmm. looks friggin' amazing. It, it's worth watching it just for this scene because it turns into a silent picture. Like, she appears in the hallway, and the music is very loud, her lips move, but nothing happens, and then suddenly it cuts to her, like, the old silent picture kind of thing where it's the text on the screen, and it's like, you know, 
hi, kids, I'm here to kill you, that kind of stuff. So every time they talk, it's a silent picture thing. And it goes on for 10 minutes, and it is so awesomely done. It just it blew my mind. I loved it. I I watched it twice because it was so much fun to watch. That does sound kind of neat, actually, yeah. Meanwhile, David figures out what's going on and realizes who he is, not not that he's Xavier's child, but realizes that he's a mutant. You know, all this time he thought that he was diseased or that he had mental issues. He realizes, I am a mutant. I am very powerful. And he starts to take control back over from the Shadow King. And he starts, like, going through. There's this whole scene where he's going through doors in his mind. And it's the old, um, you know, he walks in one door, steps out another door. And as he steps out the other door, he's walking in the first door. And he's getting more and more frustrated. And then eventually he'll get frustrated enough that he punches through and gets to the next area. And then the next area. And Eventually, he reaches a corridor where there's like four or five different doors, and he just like channels his power as the music's crescendoing and building and building, and causes every door to explode. Talking about this, it's so good. Yeah, we can hear you. You're not muted. I know I'm not muted. (laughs) Okay. Um, I said, I said, it makes me want to watch this fucking show. (laughs) I just heard talking about this fucking show, and I'm like, all right. No, um, no, no! It just—it makes me actually want to watch it. This, this, I, this, uh, this, this week—the way you're describing it—it it, oh, it was so beautifully done. Seriously, like knowing that this is coming, you should rewatch the episodes. They're on Hulu. Like, yeah, that's, I, that's I, how I've been watching. It. That's how I was watching it. Yeah, I strongly encourage because, like, last episode had a great musical kind of thing where Aubrey Plaza is enjoying the fact that she's taken over David's brain, and she does this by like music's playing. She's running from room to room, jumping on beds and dancing and throwing her hands up in the air, and it was great. This week's was mind blowing. It was awesome, and we've only got one more episode, but things kind of took a twist. So I, I won't. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, in the weeks we talk about the show, I haven't heard you talk about it with such gusto, and uh, as you are this week, actually. I mean, I've heard you say you love it, but I just from I, what I, I saw, I was like, I watched the episodes. I didn't love them, but this week, the way you're talking about it, does kind of make me want to go and uh, continue watching. I gotta say, like all the episodes up until this, they've been hard to describe, and they're a little confusing at times. Like if you look back at the first episode, it was weird. And they kept getting a little bit better, but still really weird. And you're like, why am I watching this? It's really hard to follow. It's really, but then you get payoffs like this where they actually explain everything and they do it just so awesomely that it's like, yes, this is what I've been building towards. This is what I've been waiting for. And yeah, I loved it. You know, it's, it's kind of dangerous though to, to, you know, you're making eight episodes of a show and you know you have to do some slow build. And, you know, if you, if you go too slow, you know, for a couple episodes in a row, you do risk losing a lot of audience. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that's kind of have like what happened with me. But yep. not everyone has like their friend telling them how much they loved the future <laughs> episodes and able to describe it with such a way where it's like, actually, I think I do want to check that out. I think you'd really like it, especially. Now, you're talking about episode seven specifically, Correct. Right? Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Episode six is also really good, but episode seven. <laughs> Truthfully, I can't recall if I watched episode four or five was the last one. I feel like it was four. It kind of ended with um, it was the one where we meet the guy that's been trapped in the astral plane world. Yes, Jermaine Clement. That was yeah, episode four. Okay, that ends with like Aubrey Plaza like. 
he does David. He does something, and then all of a sudden, like she just appears behind him. Yes, rather creepily. That was how that one ended, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think that okay, was episode yeah. so four. I need to watch five on. So I'll probably try and I actually have some time later this week. Excellent. So I may I may uh, sit down and watch those. I guess. Cool. Cool. Uh, before we get into Iron Fist, I just want to address a couple news items. Sure. Did you see the trailer for the new show coming on NBC, Midnight Texas? Uh, yes, I did. That was rather interesting, wasn't it? It was. I don't have a. I didn't read any synopsis. I didn't go research after. I just watched the trailer, so I don't remember. Like, I'm not going to be able to break it down thoroughly, thoroughly. But it's definitely involving. Some a lot of supernatural characters. Yes, you know, there's like a vampire, probably a werewolf. There's a guy that has wings for arms, like angel's wings type of thing. Right, I right. mean, it looks pretty, pretty, pretty darn badass. Actually, yeah, I appreciated it. Yeah, and was the um, <sighs> yeah, there was vampires in it. There was a lot of different, like, I guess, supernatural type characters and did you get a sense of what the story is going to be about not Watching? at all okay good i'm glad i didn't miss that either then. Nah. <laughs> nope nope and like you i didn't really research it i saw it and i was like wow that's cool but i yeah. didn't go into detail because part of me kind of wanted to be surprised i guess yeah 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 i get that i get that now that comes out this summer doesn't it i believe so yep yeah, it's a summer series. Um, another trailer I saw, I saw the big full uh, Fargo Season 3 trailer. Yep, yep. Um, I'm going to watch that show regardless. And they finally just put all of Season 2 on Hulu, so I'm probably going to watch that at some point. Which you've seen Again. it before. Yes, I watched it when it was on originally. Now, it's like I, uh, it's like watching Season 1. I watched that. I've watched that twice now. Nice. Originally it aired, and then once again when I found it on, they had it on Hulu. I I kind of binge watched it because I don't know. I just I like the setting. I like I like the characters. I like the writing. I like the violence. Yep, it's just it's just good. So this third season, the preview made it look a lot more like the movie. Yeah, it did. It's taking place in uh, like 2010, I want to say. Okay, and I'm curious to see how it's going to relate to. Um, to the other series because, you know, they did tie the movie into the series. Right. You know, like the season one, the guy who's really rich and owns a uh, owns all those stores, it's because his dad found the money that was buried at the end of the movie. Yep. And that was left as a big plot hole as to what happened. And then, like, the, uh, the, 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 mean, the, mean, the main lead girl character in the movie, I mean, sorry, in the TV show... Um, you know, her dad's David Carradine. I mean, Keith Carradine. Sorry, David Carradine, uh, dad. No longer but her, her dad on the show is the actor is Keith Carradine. And then um, in season two, which takes place before season one, timeline wise, uh, she's like a small child in that season. And her dad is now played by a different actor, but he's the he's the like one of the main characters. So I like how they've linked the movie and the ser- two series together. So I'm curious where this season's going to be, where it's 2010. Right. I, think, I think it's taking place 20 years after the first season, I want to say, which could mean that, or even maybe it's only 10 years after, which could mean that the daughter from season one 
is now that female police officer that we're seeing in season three in the commercials. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, so I wonder if that's what they're going to do because, you know, they haven't said names or anything yet. Right. So. I mean, you could probably yeah. look them up on IMDb, but then. I want to surprise myself. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I want to surprise myself with that one. But yeah. Um, and I think. Oh, the only other trailer I watched was uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> I can't and, wait for that. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just. I, I just wanted to say I can't wait for that. Oh yeah, and it's uh, it's a cool looking trailer. Yep. I mean, it's just basically like here we have some sort of plot to get you to watch movies and talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially, it felt like they were kind of trying to keep the original aesthetic, you know, yes. while still saying, "Hey, look, you know, we're the modern day geeky kind of people, but you know, we remember why you like this, so this is what we're sticking with." Yeah, and that looks pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, there's a couple other series coming out on Netflix, and I, I forgot to write down the name of it. I'll have to look it up again, I guess, for next week. But there's this weird one called like um, something something to do with the number thirteen. Okay. Yeah, uh, and it's this girl like she she's dead, and she left all these recordings explaining kind of what happened. Or what's going to happen to her, she thinks. And essentially, these kids are listening to these recordings. kind of reminds me of something you'd see on the CW. I was just going to say, this sounds like a Nicholas Sparks CW. Yeah, it re- it's called 13 Reasons Why. And it's after a teenage girl's perplexing suicide, a classmate receives a series of tapes that unravel the mystery of her tragic choice. But it's like, it's, it's, def- it's a high school time frame type of thing, except it is super dark. And season one drops this Friday, coming up, the 31st. Oh, wow, that's coming right up. Yeah, it is. And it's weird because I hadn't heard anything about it, and then all of a sudden I saw the trailer like last week for it. And that the trailer did the look, thing for Netflix shows. Yes, it does, yeah. Um, but the trailer did look really, really good, actually. I was surprised because I'm not – Yeah, you should definitely check it out. Oh, and hey, just while I'm at it, uh, Roger Rabbit, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit's on Netflix now. Woo-hoo. I've seen that I actually saw so that, many times. I saw that in the theater when I was a kid. Oh, nice. Yeah. Look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants. I am a tremendously fancy pants. <laughs> you got so, any trailers? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Uh, the CBS did renew pretty much everything that yes, on their docket. Yes, I saw that. Uh, Bull yeah. is actually adding Eliza Dushku as a serious cast member. So that's kind of nice. cool. Uh, cool. But yeah, MacGyver season two. Woo! Yeah, well. um, yeah, they dropped the full trailer, the full official trailer for Justice League this week. Did you watch this? Oh, I did see that. Yes, I did. And I actually – and this is where it's discouraging because I actually thought it looked pretty good in the trailer. Okay. But so did Wonder Woman, and we've heard a lot of bad stuff about Wonder Woman. And so did Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, go ahead, Martin. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I actually I didn't I didn't watching the Batman v Superman trailer. I didn't get all excited about that at all. I thought it was terrible. See, I'm not excited about this one. I thought that some of it looked pretty good. I could have really done without Barry Allen saying, "What's your superpower again?" I'm rich. Shut yeah, I'm not. You yeah, pretentious I'm, dick. I'm not saying I'm all excited about it. I was just saying like I I thought it was a good trailer. I thought it was too, but my. I said this to one of my other friends who was talking about it. Essentially, if it follows suit, 
then what we saw in the trailer is going to be the extent of the action sequences, and it's going to be bookended by three hours of slog and drain and... What about this? What about this? And okay, it's been long enough. Batman vs Superman has been out long enough, so this shouldn't be a spoiler for anybody. But where's Superman? Because you know we all saw the ground shake at the end of Batman vs Superman. We all know it's going to happen. We heard the heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. So you know what's what's going on there? Uh, they probably are trying to be all mysterious, and you know, oh, he'll show up later or something. Um, but where's Superman? And what's going to happen this time? You know, is Perry White really a Girl Scout? leader or something, you know, yeah. we, we had to have Jimmy Olsen being a CIA agent. So maybe Robin is actually a bird that commissioner Gordon goes to for advice, like a magic eight ball. No, because we saw in Batman v Superman that, you know, that Robin was, you know, they had the Robin costume in there and he was dead and everything. One of the Robins, you know, one of the Robins It's assumed to be Jason Todd, I guess. Yeah. And, and I, don't know. I had to watch the trailer a second time because I didn't understand what was going on at the very end when it was some gruff old guy being like, nice to see you playing well with others. And I was like, that's not Alfred. It's J.K. Simmons there as Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, it might be short-lived. Uh, stop trying to be funny, Batman. Batman should not be the comic relief. Batman should nope. not be the funny guy. Barry should be the funny guy. Cyborg could yep. even be the funny guy. Batman's the dark and brooding one. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, my expectations are very tempered with reality. On the surface, yeah, some of the action looks really cool. And I am a big Flash fan, so I enjoyed seeing their take on the Flash. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll enjoy seeing what they can do with a big budget because we see what they can do with a small budget on the CW every week. Um, but ultimately, I'm so tempered in reality because of what I've seen these people produce that it kind of bummed me out. We'll see, though. Maybe this is going to be their turning point. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, the only other thing I felt I, I had to bring this up because I felt justified. When Riverdale first came out, yeah. Um, I said I thought that it was supposed to have a supernatural element, and everybody else was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, they're talking now that second season might have the supernatural element, and this was actually real stuff. They talked to uh, one of the producers, the showrunner, and this is what he said. He's like, there's a chance that happens. Ultimately, we ended up starting with a more grounded, less supernatural version because we thought we could always go there. But if we started there, it would be hard to take that away. So they did originally talk about it. They just decided to go with a more realistic route. This was interesting, though. It says, in my mind, the mythology is this. Riverdale is a non-magical grounded town with weird stuff happening. Then there's Sweetwater yep. River where Jason died. And on the other side of that is Greendale where Sabrina and the witches traditionally live. That would be Sabrina okay. the Teenage Witch. Correct. Yeah. Um, on one side of the river, there's no magic. There's no supernatural. That's where Riverdale is. And on the other side is of the Mythic River, which is sort of like the River Styx. There's magic and witches and dark Lovecraftian horrors. So, oh, so that's how he's going to tie it in, maybe. Yeah, possibly. But I, I just felt a little bit less insane because I thought that they had been talking about this. I thought that they had been meaning to bring Riverdale, Riverdale in as a supernatural kind of thing with zombies and vampires and stuff, and then to not see any of that happen. And then everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I started feeling a little crazy, but apparently I'm not totally crazy. Kind of crazy, <laughs> but not totally crazy. But are you watching the show? No. God, yes, no. Yes, either am I. I'm not starting either. No. It was terrible. 
Yeah, it was. It still is. Did you watch any movies? Uh, I did not watch any movies. I mean, I rewatched a couple of movies, but I've already talked about them, like Popstar. Um, yeah. But yeah, nothing, nothing new. Not this week. Cool. <laughs> you? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, again, I binged watched Iron Fist. So, uh, plus, I watched a bunch of other shows. I have to say, uh, yeah. you know how you see like news reports or sometimes when they hype up a show, news is especially good for it. You know, they'll be like, coming up next, we have a report on the one chemical in your house that could kill you. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you watch through the whole news and they talk about it in like the last two minutes. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's what we're doing with Iron Fist this week. <laughs> We've been talking about those. In fact, when I post this on my Facebook feed and everything, I'm going to put a picture of Iron Fist, and I'm going to be like, we finally sit down and talk about Iron Fist. So that by the time people get to this point, they're going to be thinking, geez, I thought they were going to talk about Iron Fist. And, you know, it'll be the uh, classic misdirection dick move. Tune in next week when we really <laughs> break down Iron Fist. Oh, speaking of which, were you a little disappointed like I was that Grimm ended with a to be continued, but they didn't have one of their funny messages like we're sorry? They didn't have sorry or I know we did it again or something like that. Or for like the that. final time. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Or for the second week in a row. Yeah. Because they said to be continued last week without a little anecdote. Eat too. Yep. Um, so I was, yeah, I was. Um, Iron Fist. <coughs> yes, Iron Fist, finally. So, let's just say, as a whole, um, I struggled through Luke Cage so much. I had to force myself to watch the last half of the season. The first half, I managed to kind of get through, and then it took me months before I was able to actually sit down and force myself through the last half of the season. I will um, add Jessica that. Yeah. I will add to that by saying that after I finished Iron Fist, I said, you know what? I never watched Luke Cage. So I will watch Luke Cage. And I had only been two episodes in and I am now all the way through Luke Cage as of this week. And, and okay. I so, felt the same way. I felt thank that you. I Let's struck. talk about Luke Cage real quick. Sure. Yeah. Before we get to Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah. The first six episodes of Luke Cage are a 1970s black exploitation movie that drags. Yes. And then the last six episodes, when they bring in uh, Diamondback, uh, Diamondback, thank you. All I could think of, <laughs> for some reason, all I could think of was Riverhawk, which I have no idea wow. why, but that, that's what popped in my brain. <laughs> uh, when they bring in Diamondback, I, I just, ugh. It, everything changed, because first it was like all about Harlem and these black leaders and what they wanted yes. to do and how they were going to divvy up power, and then suddenly Cottonmouth's was, dead. Yeah. And Diamondback is introduced with the Judas bullet that can kill Luke Cage. And we spend like five episodes with Luke on his back and them trying to deal with how they're going to get this bullet out of him. Two bullets yep. out of him. And, yep. you know, like I said, Cottonmouth's dead. So the, the entire tone of the show shifted and not in a good way. Nope. Nope. And then it's, it was all about daddy loved you more at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like we got two different stories, yeah. and yeah. It, it wasn't terrible. I still enjoyed the bigger picture that it, especially like I got to watch it after I had watched Iron Fist, so I was kind of going back in time and seeing Claire at this point, who, let's face it, Claire was the best character on the show, but um, it was 
it was cool to see, you know, the community rise up to support him in the end. But yeah, ultimately, like this show was all about political infighting and yeah, I just city councils <sighs> and racism and it didn't feel like a, a superhero show as much as it felt like a few long episodes of Law and Order. You know, yep. the cops on his side, then she's not on his side, then she is on his side, then she's not on his side. And, and you never know who's a villain, except for that they tell you immediately as soon as they introduce a character, whether they're on the take or not. And I don't know. It, it was rough. I agree. Yeah, I just had a hard time with it and I'm, I struggled to get through it and I, I have no intentions of ever watching it again. No, I, I still like the character. Not whatsoever. I'll enjoy seeing him in the Defenders, I'm sure. I liked him when he was yeah. in Jessica Jones. Um, I, but yeah, this series did nothing for me. I, we do not need a Luke Cage season two. No, I don't think so either. No. Oh God, if they did, oh jeez, I'm crow. I, I thought Jesus that it was. Crow. Fun that they, when he first broke out of prison, he had the crown on his head and he grabbed the big billowy yellow shirt. Yes. And looked yes. at himself in the mirror and said, you look like a damn fool. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of neat. Just the little nod, but still ultimately no. Oh, sorry. Uh, did you see, I just read this morning actually that, uh, allegedly the two people in the running to play cable on the new Deadpool, Deadpool movie are, uh, Michael Shannon and Brad Pitt. Yes. I did see something along those lines. Um, if I had to pick one of those two, I'd go Michael Shannon. Me too, all the way. Yep. Um, I, I could definitely see him pulling it off. I still think that um, uh, Adam Baldwin would be a phenomenal choice, but I could see Michael Shannon. Yep. So, Anyways, so, you know, I must say of the Marvel shows on Netflix, between Daredevil Season 1 and 2, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, I would put uh, – I, I, I think I would put Iron Fist up above Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Interesting. I, as far as my enjoyability, because ultimately with Jessica Jones, the only thing I enjoyed the most about it was David Tennant's character when he finally came on near the end of the series. Right, right, right. Whereas in this show, I, I think I genuinely enjoyed each episode. Really? Even in yeah. the beginning? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I remember hearing a lot about, oh, episode one is so slow and it drags and on and on and on. And, and all, and, and really, like, when I watched the first episode, I, I didn't think it dragged at all. And I, you know, I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch episode two. I don't think it dragged. I think it was stupid. I think it was a terrible, <laughs> terrible TV writing shit. Like, everything was over the top. Like, he beats up those security guards, and then later on, when they meet up with him, he has to yeah. give the exposition to the audience and be like, you're those security guards that I beat up earlier at the tower that I was in when I was breaking into the tower, and you tried to stop me, and I beat you up. Yeah. Ward was a cardboard cutout. They literally could have put a cardboard cutout in the room, and he would have had just <laughs> as much depth as the, the actor playing Ward. All right, all right. So the first episode was a little weak, but I didn't. I don't. I I I, just, I was like, ah, whatever. Yep. It didn't bother me, I, and I think probably because I didn't watch that and then have to wait a week to watch the second one. I just watched the second one straight away. As a matter of fact, I watched the first five episodes in a row. One after another. So to me, it was just like a big chunk of enjoyment. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you want to break down and go over every episode? I mean, like, no. what do you, you want to do? Uh, I'd like to do the broad brush strokes. 
Like, okay, like fair enough. That's good. Beginning, middle, end, certain All characters right. that stood out, etc. Alright, so, um, you know, episode two, when he got uh, admitted to the psych ward, I, I like, I like had... the phrase admitted there. <laughs> he got put on a 72 hour hold. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, my, initially I was like, man, if they drag this out for two or three oh, episodes, right. I'm not gonna be pleased at all. Um, but they didn't. I mean, they, you know, it, 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 they, they did good with it. They did, they did the story well. I mean, we didn't have to listen to him struggling, yell forever about, uh, you know, not people not believing him and this and that, you know, that they, they did pretty much pretty quickly. Um, the doctor found out that this guy might be telling the truth. Right. But he did say though, but you do have some sort of issues going on. Like you're telling the truth. I believe you are who you are, but, um, you're walking around New York with no shoes on. And you say talking about being hand. in this talking about being in this parallel world for 15 years, and that's why you've been gone the whole time, yep. and not you know what I mean, on and on and on. So there's there's some issues that need to be worked out here, you know. So, <laughs> um, one thing I did notice the big pattern through the whole season with uh, Iron Fist is. It's like growing up in the monastery, there was like a level of maturity that he hasn't uh, come into yet where it comes to controlling his rage. Yes. Like he would fly off the handle at a moment's notice about things. But in the and, most pissant little way. Yes, yes. It, I, yes, I absolutely agree with that. It was almost like in a childish way yep. where, yeah, he's supposed to be this Zen Chi master guy so he can, you know, but – it's um, yeah. the way that I looked at that. I still I agree with you completely. But the way that I looked at that was, yes, he was raised in that monastery. He was surrounded by monks. He probably didn't have an awful lot of opportunities. They probably weren't walking around picking on him or being mean to him. So he right. didn't have to develop those kind of skills. Um, you know, they could say center yourself, be calm. But if you're in an environment that is not toxic and is not. Um, causing you problems all the time, then you're never going to have a need to develop those skills. You're never going to have a need to practice those type of skills. So I could kind of see, you know, you go from something like that to New York and you're going to suddenly be in an alien world. Yep. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to? I'm trying to figure out, you know, like in order well, to go. Well, I'll say this. So you said so. you watched the first five episodes. I watched the first yeah. six episodes at once. The first six episodes were what were given to the uh, critics. This is why they started panning it because essentially you've got a superhero show where you barely, if at all, touch upon the superhero aspects. Like the first That's six true. episodes were more about – Danny Rand, boy billionaire. You know, it was the other side of the Batman story. It wasn't him training or getting himself locked in prison or. That's very true. You know, it was, let's figure out what's going on in the company. They just constantly talk about Rand and what's Rand going to do and yeah. what's the company going to. So at the, by the time you finally get to the parts where it starts expanding to be an actual martial arts show, yeah. it, it's a relief. But the critics never got That's that. True. You know, they That's only true. got the parts where it was like, what's going to go on three? And they get this, like you said, an impetuous 
dickbag who shows yes. up and he's just like, I want into my company. And they're like, you don't have – now, here's the thing. Oh, I don't have any ID. I don't have anything to show who I really am. Yeah, but you managed to have the foresight to go to Morocco to the black market and get yourself a passport because you knew you'd need to get into the country and you need a passport. You didn't think that you'd need one that maybe said that you were Danny Rand so that you could get into your company? Did you just assume <laughs> that everybody would be like, oh, yeah, you're just a 15-year older boy that you know yeah. looks just like him with all the facial hair and shit? Yeah, I mean, the first, you're right. I mean, if you look at it that way, like the first five, six episodes are basically like him going, hey, it's me, guys. It's really, really me. I promise you it's me. And, <laughs> and then, meanwhile, telling everybody how they should live their lives. Hey, you should teach Kung Fu here. You'd get more students. Yeah. She's like, dude, yeah. eat a dick. Basically, yeah. And then it's like people don't, you know, people are treating me poorly because of my appearance. They don't understand who I am. And then it's, you know, him being committed, getting out of the hospital, hiring you know, uh, Hogarth. Yeah, thank you. Hogarth as his lawyer, getting into you know, get, proving that he really is Danny Rand because of a fingerprint on a clay thing he made, <laughs> and then you know him becoming oh this is he's boy billionaire like you said, and oh but he's not really a businessman but he's gonna you know. He's going to force his beliefs on all these other people, what he thinks is right or wrong, and he doesn't give them the opportunity to explain, like, well, look, maybe this sounds cold-hearted, but this is the reality of the situation and what it is. No, he's just like, no, we're not going to do that. And then he's very unapologetic in those first several episodes as well for anything he says or does. He just feels that he is justified and he is right and he is, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And – and he's passive, like, I'm sorry, not passive, but he's like, he's unapologetic for being essentially a whiner. He's not even like the kind of guy who goes in and says, look, I know what's best. We're going to shake things up. He's like, mm, uh, this is wrong. We got to do what's yeah. right. And they're like, but the world isn't black and white like that. And he's like, I don't care. It's black and white to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm the CEO or whatever, you know, I have, fi I have majority share of this company. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and put my foot down on the very first day. <laughs> they literally say that to him. They're like, are you yeah. sure that this is the first thing that you want to make a stand about? And he's like, yeah. They're like, wow, dick bag. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and there's some fighting, but there's not a lot of fighting. Can, can we say that uh, one of the one of the things that we got on Twitter from Carolyn was saying that you know other than episode eight the fighting was pretty yeah. lame. I think I would say up until around episode eight, a lot of the yeah. fighting that we saw was more kata than fighting. Yep, I would agree with that. It was very slow and methodical, and like he was doing more of a judo kind of thing or an aikido where he was like using the other person's momentum against them. But it was definitely not like Daredevil or Luke Cage or Jessica right. Jones. There was no primal fury to this fighting. It was almost lazy. We did get a couple hallway fights, though. Yep. Yep. Because we got to have a hallway fight. And we got the cage matches that Colleen was in that yep. were much better. Yep. Yep. Um but I really thought the second half it really picked up. I mean, I can I guess see why if the, all the critics had to go on. They panned it. You know, when you're when we're binge watching it like we are, like when you're especially when you watch it like just in a couple of days, yep. you do tend to kind of forget about how it lagged or how it was in the beginning. But at the same time, it was still it still was good enough 
every episode that I wanted to watch the next episode straight away. It's like a roller coaster. You know, you forget that in the beginning yeah. you have that long, slow sludge drudge yeah. up to the top of the first hill. All you could think about was the very end when the wind's whipping through your face and you're coming in and you get stopped on like a dime and you're like, that was so exciting. But you forget yeah. that the beginning sucked. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. That's a great analogy to it all. That's a really good analogy. Um, but yeah, you know, once, uh, oh, I can't, I can't pronounce his name. Not goal, but the other guy, the hand. Oh, um, oh God. It begins with a B. Bakudo. Bakudo. Thank you. Yes. Bakudo. Okay. I wanted to say Bastion once, for some reason. Once Bakudo gets intro, you know, gets introduced. Yes. And then we find out that he's just as evil as goal or whatever. Gaul. Gaul. Um, there's some really great fight sequences <laughs> yeah. in the last few episodes. Holy I mean, there God. are some really good ones, you know. And then again, they get even better when you interject Davos when he shows, yes. you know, his brother who's clearly jealous that he didn't get the uh, the dragon fist, the iron fist. I mean, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, one, especially them fights near the end, like when they're in the compound and they're fighting all those people. I mean, people are getting bones broke, they're getting killed, they're getting beat up bad. I mean, it was there were some great fight sequences near the they end. They were so of that. well choreographed that it makes you look back at the first half of the season and be like, "What was your yeah. choreographer? Did you fire somebody midway through?" Yeah, I did. I did note like it's that the fight scenes definitely got much better as they went along. The, and I, <laughs> my absolute favorite was the drunken master fight. Oh my god, I loved it! Holy I god, it was so great! I watched because that other one than two a couple times. of Jackie Chan flicks, you don't get to see the drunken master stuff going on very well. Right, and it was so cool because he even had like you know he had the wine bottle, the old school wine <laughs> yes. bottle, which he also used as a weapon because it was attached to a rope or whatever. <laughs> oh, I thought the drunken master scenes were fantastic. It was so good, it yeah. was so good. I love that. Um, you know, you're right. All the fight scenes from the second half on were much more what I was expecting, you know, from yeah. a Kung Fu based show. They just got better and better and better. And like, Oh, the sword fight between Colleen and Bakuda. Oh, that was great. Was. And I loved it when he makes the comment about your sword's not strong and then he breaks it, but then she freaking just kicks it right into his yeah. leg. It doesn't matter how strong it is. It doesn't matter how you how do you, you know how you use it and everything. Yep. And I was like, that's pretty badass. But of course, you know, it was glaring when she killed him. It's like, well, if Harold can come back from the dead, <laughs> right? I have a feeling Bakudo is going to be coming back from the dead as well. And then you have Gal, um, who like has made uh, mention of, oh, I spent most of the 17th century being interrogated anyway, so this is nothing. So yes, you know that these hand members. And can we can we talk about that for a second? Like Daredevil introduced the hand with Elektra and stuff like that. And yeah. they were a bunch of faceless ninjas. And we were just like, oh, the hand. And even Claire was like, oh, God, the hand. But this show really added depth to the hand as a yes. villainous organization. Yes, it did, which I'm, I've – now that's going to be a, a big factor in the Defenders, is it not? Uh, it, I believe it has to be because now they've yeah. touched Daredevil's life. They've touched uh, Iron Fist's life. Everyone. Yeah. So I think that they will have a big role in that. And I'm perfectly fine with that because, you know, oh, me too. we've seen that there's at least two different major factions, yeah. you know, Bakudo's people, Gao's people, um, different views, different philosophies, all, all the same, essentially the same tenets at their core, but for different reasons. I liked how they referenced 
the other Marvel shows from Netflix. Yes. And then they re- they also did reference a few times the you know, the cinematic universe and things that were happening there. <laughs> yep. Magic hammers so, and we don't have an Iron Man and Yeah. So I I did like all that. I did enjoy all that that aspect of it. Um but you know, I, I, I like that, you know, when, when Davos and Danny got into a fight after Bakudo was killed, uh when they got that in that fight in that temple, or whatever, and you know, Danny handedly won, which showed, okay, yeah, you wanted this honor as well, and you didn't get it, but clearly I'm the guy that deserved it. Yes. You know, or deserved it more. And, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that I don't look at it the way you do or, you know, see the way you do, but, you know, I feel like what I'm doing is right. And maybe it was right. Maybe it was selfish. Like, <sighs> until the very last episode, they never really show us why the past needed to be protected so much. Right. Because it's up in the Himalayan mountains, and it feels like if someone's coming at you, they're coming down, a, you know, like you know, a bottleneck to get to you. Yeah. And you can, you know, you don't need the one guy to defend the thing. The the video um, that Makuto had showing the other Iron Fist, who you notice had both of his fists glowing. Yes. Um, yes. But he seemed like he was fighting in like a forest kind of thing. Yeah, and if that's where the entrance was, I could understand it if anyone could stumble across it. But right. It, Pretty, pretty damn elaborate way to get up there, you know? Do you think Davos is the one that killed everyone? No, I think it was probably Bakudo's men. Okay. Um, but I think you're also, you're touching upon another big issue with this show that yep. could have been leading to the uh, critical problems. I actually read a little article on it last night that somebody was reviewing episode 10. Yep. Here's the thing. So you've got Daredevil. Which is yep. a guy who is a lawyer. You know, he is a human being who is a lawyer yep. who says, you know, I want to do good for my city, so I'm going to put on a mask and beat people up and try to get yep. crime off the street. You've got Luke Cage who says, you know what, Harlem's under attack. I don't want to be this guy, but I am. You know, by the end of it, he's yep. like, I have to be this guy. Jessica Jones. Hey, basically, Luke Cage is with great powers comes great responsibility. Yes. Jessica Jones, everybody tells her with great power comes great responsibility. She's like, F all of you. You know, I don't care. Yep. I just want this guy out of my life. But Danny Rand is the first character that we've come upon who was given his powers for a specific reason. He had a specific destiny. According to this, he is supposed to be the guardian of, and he just walked away from it. And they don't give us a reason or anything until like 10 episodes in like we're, yeah. he talks about it from the beginning he's like oh yeah i'm the guardian of kunlun i'm the one that guards the pass so nobody can get in but what the fuck are you doing in new york yeah and he never, so who's guarding yeah who's guarding it now yeah, yeah he never touches upon it he's never like you know he says it only appears once every 15 years and then it moves on like every time we're talking about his destiny his responsibilities the iron fist the show just kind of pushes it off to the side like no 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 you you care about the CEO stuff. We'll, we'll give you viewers just a little bit so that you remember that he's the Iron Fist and why, but you know, yeah. we're not going to tell you why. And it's kind of insulting because you want to, as a hero fan, as a person who's invested in these shows up to this point, you kind of yeah. want to know what's he doing in New York? Why exactly. isn't he guarding no. the past? And they don't tell us until like 10 episodes in. And basically when they do, then it's like, oh, so he's a dick bag. You know, he's essentially <laughs> a guy who said, but I don't wanna. Yeah. 
Well, because well, they do show one flashback where he basically where Davos finds him and his he can you know his his chest is now tattooed or just burned in with the insignia of the dragon. Right. And as they're walking away, he looks back and he goes, "It's not what I thought it was." Yeah. And it's like he probably felt like from the time he got to the monastery until then, he was driving towards this for this ultimate goal to for some great discovery. And then when that discovery wasn't, you know, beholden onto him, he was just disappointed. Right. And decided, all right, now I guess I gotta go find it someplace else. But they never really explain any of that either, though. Exactly. I mean, you know, it, you kind of got the impression by the end that it was the whole, yeah. uh, genie from Aladdin thing. You know, he's given the Iron Fist, he's given this power and this ability, but he's supposed to just stay in one spot with it forever and, and guard this pass. Yeah. And he was like, I want to do more with it. You know, maybe my destiny yep. is more than that. Because like he said, if I am the person, the destroyer of the hand and they're my evil enemy, shouldn't I be where the hand is? Right. Exactly. Waiting for them to come to <laughs> exactly. us. Yeah. Yeah. I was put on this earth to destroy these guys. I'm just going to stand here and hope that they come to me. Otherwise, yeah, you know, exactly. anybody get a deck of cards? I can play solitaire. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, at this end of the season, we have Davos and we have Joy in some undis- you know, some foreign country, uh, and essentially, you know, they're 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 plotting against Danny. Yeah, because the Meachams became a much bigger character in this, almost bigger than Danny himself. Like it was more yeah. the Meacham show in some aspects than it was the Danny show. Yeah, you know, and it went. Like 360 for all the characters. Well, except for Harold. Harold was just kind of weird. Yeah, he was very sociopathic. And then when he came back to life, I mean, they basically touched on the more that happens, the the more unstable and whatnot you can be. Right. You start harming the ones the closest to you and on and on and on. And I just, um, you know, all in all for the show for me, like, I, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, the, especially the last few episodes, they just got better and better and better. Yes. And yeah, there is a little bit of weak sauce in the beginning. And I guess if you were watching it week to week over a 13 week period, you know, you, you could. I think a lot of people would have given faster. up on it. Yeah. But, uh, when you can just sit and watch one after another and you're like, well, I'm going to watch another one. Well, enough happened in this one that I'd want to watch another one. You know what I mean? Yep. But then near the end, it's like, holy shit. It's like, I want to watch it like the last three episodes. It's like, if you haven't watched it yet, watch, watch, watch I'm sorry, I guess, because we just ruined the whole thing for you. No, not really. But watch the last three episodes, uh, back to back to back type of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to touch upon a bit more about the Meachums because when we first start, Ward is a dickbag. And yes. he's all about himself and he's keeping the secret that Harold is alive, keeping it from joy to protect her, you know, that classical trope. Um, yep. he's a dick bag to Danny. He's a dick bag to everybody. He's addicted to pain pills. He goes through a very long process throughout this series to the point yes. where by the end, he's now one of Danny's biggest supporters, you know? Uh, warning him that the DEA is coming, get out of there, helps him get back at Harold by the end. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, the opposite is true for Joy. She basically is a fan of Danny's and supports him and even goes and like trains with Colleen a little bit. And she's like, you know, yeah, I'm going to protect myself. And you're like, oh, good. She's the good Meacham. And then by the end, when she finds out that her dad's really alive, it's like, no, now I have to be daddy's girl and I have to be evil too. And, you know, yeah. now she hates Danny and she hates Ward because of that classic age old, you know, you lied to me. I can't forgive you. Yeah. Um, 
so we we kind of each one of those characters got a complete 360 by the end. Ward actually spent time in a detox center. That was interesting. Um, but the the two characters outside of Danny that I really really enjoyed watching this time were Claire and Colleen. Yes, two. Their their stories are definitely, especially Claire's, was really expanded upon. Yeah, I love at the More end when so. she grabs the hand claws. She's like, "I think these are mine." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and then Colleen's character, we really, you know, I. I, I like where she went to as well. I thought she was going to be the throwaway um, traditional Asian character, you know, even to the point where they were like, oh, look, she's doing street fights on the side or cage fights on the side to, you know, supplement her income, what she told her students not to do. But she really by the end, you're like, this is a very conflicted person because yes. she has all these beliefs. And then she's introduced to contradictory beliefs. As yep. is Danny, so both of them have to come to, you know, new realizations on their own and together. Um, yep. She actually was a really good character. Claire was amazing, though, because it, progressively, like, in Daredevil, she just patched him up. And then in Jessica yes. Jones and Daredevil Season 2, she was a bit more present. Uh, Luke Cage, she had a huge role. She was the she was the opposite of Adrian. She was not the you can't do it. She was like you need to do yeah. it. She was the constant encouragement. And then in this ep- this this show, she was <laughs> she had some good funny parts. Yes, uh, good see good parts too, where it's just like her and Colleen going to interrogate people or going to fight people and stuff. Um, she's coming into her own almost to the point where I feel like she may be the one that brings the defenders together. Yes, I think she is because she's the only one. I mean, Carrie Ann Moss was in a couple, you know, was had cameos in mm-hmm. I think in every show. Yep. Um, but Colleen's, I call, yeah, Claire's the only one that had established roles, right? And she and talked all about the, the other people. like the more people like you, I meet. Yeah, and I liked how Gao kind of talked to her about that, and she was like, you know, you want to be powered like these people. You you surround yourself with these people hoping that it'll rub off on you, but you've got to realize it's not going to. And I thought that was pretty touching as well, you know, touched right upon who Claire is at her core because she was just a nurse and now she's, you know, disavowed or whatever. Um, but she essentially is becoming more than that. Like I said, she they're really setting her up like she could either be the one that brings the defenders together or at least be the one who heads the team kind of, you know, keeps them motivated. The, the Colson role? Kinda, yeah. I just hope they don't sacrifice her Colson style to bring them together. Right, right. That would be very you know. bad. Cause I could almost see that. I could almost see like <sighs> something bad happens to her and, and she gets killed or seriously injured or something and they all come to check on her and that's what brings them together. Right. As it stands right now, there is nothing to bring all of them together. And if you right. look back at the original Avengers movie, what brought them all together was an alien invasion. Yeah. Um, well, essentially it was the, the Tesseract cube slash alien invasion. But, you know, right now there is nothing to bring all of these heroes together. You know, when we leave Danny at the end of Iron Fist, you know, Kunlun has been whatever. 
We don't even. It's gone. Yeah, it's just gone. We don't know if that means that it's destroyed or if it's been captured or maybe or the portal closed. I was going to say the fifteen years was up, but there was a bloody battle up there. Um, yep. So he's kind of lost because it could be another fifteen years before it reappears. What's he going to do in the meantime? Um, you know, when we left Luke Cage, he was kind of like walking. He was off heading his, to prison. Yeah, or in prison. Yeah, and. Uh, Daredevil, Punisher, Jessica Jones, you know, they all kind of went their own separate ways. So yeah. there's got to be something like the hand that could make them all have to come together. Yeah, there's got to be a catalyst. Yep. And I'm, now, now that we're talking about it, I'm, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm afraid it's going to be Claire. I really, like you said, I hope they don't sacrifice her for that. I would rather her say, you know, that you've all been doing your own thing. You've all been like self-absorbed. You know, you may have hurt the hand here. You may have hurt them here, but they've taken over so much of this. You all need yeah. to come together and do this. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that too. I'd prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, all in all. I really enjoyed Iron Fist. I did too. By the end of it, I was hanging on the episodes. Like I said, that drunken master fight was amazing. Yeah, um, that was pretty cool. I would like to have seen that last a little longer. Yep. And, and I did, as you did, I loved the compound fight where it was him and Davos, especially when it was like back-to-back fighting. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that they gave Colleen more depth than Danny, actually. She, yep. she turned out to be a deeper, more thought-provoking character than even the main character was. Um it really and it really fleshed out the hand. There was a lot I liked. <laughs> yep, yep. I think that's a good way to put it. There was a lot I liked. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, that's it. Yeah, I think that's all I got to say about that. That's a show. I think that's the show. Excellent. I think that's the show. So thanks for listening. Please. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? There's one more thing I do want to comment on. Oh, okay. Before I go into that, it was something that Carolyn had posted to me. Like, uh, you know, are you talk? How come you don't talk about Oak Island? And I said, Well, we don't talk about everything we watch. And she said something like, "What? Uh, but Oak Island's great because you know, you know, it could have this or that or whatever." But I just want to say real quick, like, yeah, there's. I don't talk about every single show I watch or every episode I watch of whatever this or that, even though it's called "What Did You Watch This Week," because. Like, we always talk about the comic book shows. Yeah. Whether we like them or don't like them. And if I see a gr- if I, if, if I experience, like, SVU, if I see a really great episode, I'm going to talk about it. If it hasn't been one, then I'm just not going to bother. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a pick and choose your kind of thing. Like, this week, I watched, I caught up and watched two episodes of Designated Survivor and two episodes of The Catch. Didn't feel yeah. the need to talk about them. Um, you know, the Sunday night Fox lineup. Although I will say the last week's episode of Family Guy was hilarious with the food truck, but still don't need to get into it. Yeah. So it's just not enough hours even though, in the day. Exactly. So even though it's called What Did You Watch This Week, we can't I mean, as it is every week we go two hours. Yep. You know, and if we literally talked about everything we watched, good and bad, what we liked, what we didn't like, it would be a much longer show. <laughs> it's a much longer show. It, by all means, though, if there's something that you think we should watch or if there's something that you say, you know, I really would like to know your opinions on this. Absolutely. We could talk about it. Uh, we may not do it on the show. We may do it in a more, you know, uh, social media kind of aspect of it. 
But, you know, we're always down to talk about that kind of stuff. It's just it may not be something like sometimes I'll be talking about a show and I'm like, I wonder if Mike's still awake over there because we're not in a recording studio, which some people seem to think that that's the only way to do podcasts. Um, right. Yeah. You know, or I'm sure he'll do the same thing. You know, you've heard him be like, hey, did I lose you over there? Because yes, because after a while, if there's yeah, if there's no banter back and forth, then you know, like I could say, hey, I watched Designated Survivor this week, and you know that for the next five minutes or so, it's just going to be me describing an episode, and then Mike going, okay, I'm glad I don't watch this show, and then we move on. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So So, yeah, I get it, but yeah, at the same time, we we can't, we're we're not going to bore everybody with everything. Feel free to like. Take it to a personal level, though. You know, send messages and say, let's talk about this. What do you think about this? Yeah. So that's that. And the reason why I don't talk about Oak Island, even though I watch this show every week, is because nothing happens. They never find anything. <laughs> I asked somebody it's about that. all a giant, forgive me, it's all a giant cock tease every single episode with – Today on Oak Island, oh my god, it was finally all worth it. And then you watch the season finale, like, it was, what was worth it? They just spent millions of dollars, and all they have is wood and <laughs> mud wood. and debris. Like, so that's why we don't talk about it, because they don't find anything. But yet I can't help but watch it. That's great. <sighs> all right. So, that's the show. Yeah. That's, it's over. Please reach out to us on the old social medias that I think all of you know, and we're going to repeat them right now. I'm at Superstar Mel. I'm at the Quantum Geek, G33K. The show is at What Did You Watch? The Facebook is at What Did You Watch? Check out the other podcasts on the Nerdy Legion Network, and thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.